this monkey for now, Frankenstein? I know I'd go from rags to riches. Why, a four-year-old child could understand this report. Run out and find me a four-year-old child. I can't make a head or tail out of it. Baravelli, you've got the brain of a four-year-old boy, and I bet he was glad to get rid of it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Your List Sucks. Uh, sorry, we're getting off to a little late start. Thank you, everybody, who hung in there waiting us to get going here. Uh, it is the Criterion Draft. Uh, we are going to be drafting uh, the Criterion movies. Uh, great collection of classic art house movies and also Armageddon. Uh, so, uh, we picked draft order before we got started here. Um, Scott, you're going to be going first. Uh, how are you feeling about your, uh, your draft board tonight? Um, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I think, you know, uh, this is, I'm going to actually have to use some strategy. I think in some of the past drafts, it's, I haven't necessarily had to use a lot of strategy, but, um, looking at who we have on the panel tonight, I mean, obviously we all love a lot of these movies, looking at what's on my draft board. Um, I'm going to have to think about this. I can't just pick from the heart necessarily. All right. Uh, drafting second is Adelaide Spence. Spence, um, what's wh what was your war room like today in preparation for the draft? My war room was Payson saying like half an hour ago, hey, we should all wear suits, right? And no one else fucking committed to the bit. I, I, wore a suit I, all day. I follow through. <laughs> Anyways, I'm doing all right. I got, I got, I'm, I'm making, I'm making my big ass whiteboard list ready to uh, get like third, probably. All right. Uh, we got Dylan up next. Dylan, um, you've kind of made a name for yourself as having a pretty eclectic uh, taste in movies, um, including a lot of Criterion stuff. How do you like your chances today? I don't know what place I'm going to go in. I'm kind of the opposite of Scott. I'm basically just going off from the heart. I feel like this is going to be a very very laid back uh, draft for me. I'm just gonna because I don't think I really even need to use much strategy because I don't think anyone's gonna take any of the movies that I want. So I think we're good. Fair enough. And then another, somebody, the cinemaster himself, someone who's known for loving all movies, but gets very excited whenever he gets a new Criterion Blu-ray. It's Payson Johnson. Payson, I know you're excited for this one. Tell me what you're thinking about it right now. No, yeah, like. You just said it like whenever like the dopamine rush every time I walk into a Barnes and Noble and I'm like, all right, what am I buying today? Let's go. Yeah, uh, my draft board consists of my viewers just put them all right there. I'm not gonna uh, show ones that I don't wanna <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm just gonna be staring over at my bed uh, throughout the entire match. I've 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 been collecting since uh, 2016. So since I turned like 18 around the time I graduated high school when I was like, you know what? I can just spend money on whatever the heck I want to. And I had two options. I could have uh, I could have started uh, smoking weed or I could have started uh, buying Criterions. I bought Criterions. You could do both. All right. We'll see yeah, how that will be for you. <laughs> and uh, in fifth place, uh, she won the, the pool. Uh, she won the straw pool to uh, pick her selection first. Pick the fifth spot in the draft, so we'll see how that works out for her. Uh, but making her, I think, YLS debut, correct? 
Yeah, I've never been here. Somebody really excited about Melissa Woody. Uh, Melissa, I've wanted to have you on the show um, for a while. I, I really enjoy, you know, whenever you're on other shows and you talk about movies, so I'm glad to have you here. Um, what do you think about making your first appearance and about the Criterion draft specifically? Um, I'm terrified. In this one, it was extremely hard because there is so many great movies to choose from. So it was very hard to narrow it down to five. But I'm, I'm just trying to imagine myself in the Criterion closet. What would I choose? What would I geek out about? So that's what All I'm right. trying to do today. <laughs> okay, well, let's see how that works out. Um, before we get started, a little housekeeping. Uh, YLS is off next week. There is no YLS. Uh, the week after is the Soda Tier List. Uh, featuring Sup T. Um, I think Cody said he's looking for at least one other person on that. So um, if you're interested in tearing sodas, now's your chance. Um, reach out to Cody or uh, Coho about that. Um, and I think he said that the movie, the build a movie, has been moved back to June. So yeah, I think that takes care of all of May. I don't know. We'll see. But that's the next two weeks for what your list sucks. Uh, without further ado, let's get started. Scott, you're on the clock. Your first pick in the Criterion Draft. Should I do the soda tier as someone who doesn't actually drink soda? I think that would be kind of funny. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, number one pick in the draft, again, uh, I kind of didn't hope I would be here, but I'm here. So I'm going to use a little bit of strategy. I'm going to try to take a movie that, of course, I absolutely love. And yes, it's high on my draft board, but also, which I imagine most, if not everyone else here, loves. Um, it is one of the most powerful, relevant movies ever. Um, no spoilers, but you the sight and sound YLS thing, multiplex thing that we're doing now. I, I submitted my list today. It was very, very high on my list. Um, so I'm going to go with Mike Lee's classic, Do the Right Thing. All right. Um, again, like I said, one of the most powerful, relevant movies ever. Um, just an in-your-face sort of confrontational expose of, of hate in all different forms from all different, you know, sides of this community that Spike Lee depicts and the way that um, it continues to build and build and fester until it explodes into something violent and ultimately tragic and fatal. Um, before it gets to that point, it's kind of a hangout movie, though. There's a lot of fun moments in the movie, too, where you're really just, you know, enjoying spending time and being introduced to all the characters. I love the, you know, and they hose the guy's car down or, you know, in, in the street, the, the really obnoxious dude. That, that's great. That's the, the great reggae song. You know, all the all the characters are great. The doctor. Um, played by Ozzy Davis. You think about bugging out Giancarlo Esposito, um, really great character, and asking some questions that people are, are still debating today. Um, so I think this movie's perfect. It also looks amazing. Sorry, I have to say that too. Like it's the colors and the vibrancy of this movie. Last time I watched it with my friend, we were like, why doesn't every movie look like this nowadays? It's a, it's a perfect film, in my opinion. It's a masterpiece. Yeah, good number one overall pick, and I, I should mention that uh, before the show started, we spun a wheel to give everybody their draft pick. Scott came in last, was saddled with for, with the first pick, so um, we'll see how this works out for him, if that affected the strategy at all. Um, anybody else uh, was anybody else considering do the right thing? Was it been your number one pick, um, or was it on your board at all? Uh, everybody's thoughts on do the right thing. Oh, that was um, yeah. very... Oh, go ahead, Bill. Yeah. No, uh, I was, was definitely... 
It was definitely one that I considered. Uh, yeah, I love this movie. It's in my. Uh, it would be in my top twenty as well when I submitted it for the uh, sight and sound thing. Uh, yeah, I think it's really fantastic. Great, uh, great characters. Uh, I I love movies that also really capture like weather, and I think like the, you really feel the heat in this movie of like the summer. It's really well done, and yeah, just really, really great film. Yeah, this is one of the ones I definitely had on my board. I do own this one. I'm going to be showing off all the ones I do own tonight. Great Criterion release that came out uh, a few years ago. Really cool booklet. Uh, yeah, no, this is one of the most seminal, like, American films to, I think, ever be released. Um, I think so many of the characters are so well lived in, whether it's movie whether it's bugging out, whether it's Radio Rahim, you just think about all the characters. I love that Spike doesn't like he 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 doesn't make the answers necessarily like easy because all the characters um are like okay, there there are definitely some characters that are like completely unlikable, but uh no character is without their faults in some way. Um, which I think is really, really great. Uh yeah, there are some hilarious scenes. Like I think the scene where just it's the it's the edit of all these people just like shouting why they hate different groups of people which is like horrible but like he films it in like such a weird like humorous way and then just juxtaposing it with the ending of just what happens to certain characters just the anger that you as an audience member feel um and even with that it's still a very rewatchable movie in my opinion i watch it at least once a year um it is like the colors of this movie completely pop it's one of the most visually appealing movies of all time like dylan said uh you 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 feel the sweat on all the characters when you are watching you 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 literally feel the sweat it's a it's it's an incredible film yeah i definitely considered it um but i figured somebody else would pick it um but it it is one of those perfect films like there's nothing that i would change about it by any means and yeah it's it's hard to add to the conversation because just like the color palette the performances i mean all of it is just top top notch, top level. Um, I've only seen it once, um, but it's just, it's such a powerful, powerful film um, that it definitely like sticks with you, but I definitely would want to rewatch it again because I felt, I felt a shift in myself. Like it's one of those films that you, you feel different after watching it. Um, yeah, very powerful. It was actually my very last addition to my list, uh, but it, I didn't think I was gonna be able to get it. Um, I need to rewatch it actually. I don't have I don't have like super strong memories about it or super high memories about it, but I know that's probably not gonna hold up to today. So I'm not heartbroken I missed it. All right. Well, Spence, you are on the clock. Do the right thing off the board. Uh, what is your number one overall pick? I believe Pace has a DVD of this, so we'll see if we can show it. Uh, I think this is probably maybe the best movie in the Criterion list, which I know is like a high bar, but I don't think you can do better than one of Wong Kar Wai's many masterpieces in the mood for love. Uh, it's flawless. Like I think it is. It is truly. There's no film, in my opinion. Yeah, no, in my opinion, no film that truly captures love in the absence of it so powerfully. So I think the idea of a love that's not even ever quieted. You can't have it. You can't commit to it. That is something I didn't think that could be can be can be shown, and it is done so so well. Uh, and yo. 
Maggie Chung, Tony Leung, some of the hottest fucking lead actors in any movie ever. It is dripping with ooze and charisma and desire. It is, and that final shot is one of the best in film history. You cannot top this. All right, uh, Spence's number one overall pick in the mood for love. Yeah, uh, great movie. I've seen it once. I want to rewatch it. I enjoyed it. Um, but for me, I think just because of the subject matter and the way the story is told, uh, there was a little bit of a, a language barrier for me um, that kept me from completely connecting for, uh, from it to it. So, um, but still, masterfully made movie. Obviously, um, everybody else today was anybody else uh, thinking about? That? I'll go in order this time. Uh, Dylan. Were you considering in the mood for love? Have you seen this one? Uh, no, one car Y is actually a blind spot for me that I'm just recently starting to correct, and uh, this is one I still haven't gotten to yet. Payson, you own it. What are your thoughts on yeah, it? Yeah, no, I own it. I absolutely love this one. This was one of those blind buys I have where I just walked into the store and I'm like, you know what? I've never seen this. I hope I really like this, and I buy it and I watch it. And I'm like, oh, this is just so happens to be one of the greatest films of all time. No, uh. I think the reason the language barrier doesn't personally bother me is because so much of the story is told through visuals. Just the looks between Tony Leong and Maggie Chung, you get so much of their longing just from watching how they react to each other. Um, I'm a little shocked Spence thinks this is the best movie about uh, Unrequited Live. I feel like they're kind of betraying their own reputation in, their, in this community, but we'll see if that movie comes up. But yeah, uh, the best movie of last year referenced uh, this movie. So uh, yeah, Joseph, I didn't complain about it. I admitted it. I'm the problem, <laughs> not the movie. Just just to be clear, uh, Melissa, your thoughts on In the Mood for Love? Yeah, I absolutely love this movie. I definitely considered it for the list as well. Um, I think Wong Kar Wai is like the master at loneliness. Like in all of his movies, he's so good at depicting that. Um, and there's no exception here. He does does it again. Um, but it's with the mix of also like love and lust and passion. Um, yeah, the cinematography is incredible. The, the way that he uses shadows and the color red throughout this movie. Um, yeah, and just the, the lead performances are incredible. Yeah, this is a perfect film, in my opinion. And Scott, I know how you feel about this movie. Is this one you consider for number one? Yeah, uh, I, I definitely consider it. It's definitely, you know, on the list. I love it. Um, I actually I actually kind of agree with Aaron. I like Fallen Angels a little bit more, probably Wong Kar Wai. But um, yeah, Sorry. devastating movie. All the stuff where they're like play acting and, and whatnot is, you know, heartbreaking. But gorgeous to look at, gorgeous people. It's very high on the real sight and sound list. I think it earns its its place. All right. Uh, so that was uh, Spence's number one overall pick in the mood for love dylan you were on the clock your first pick overall yeah so a couple of ground rules that i set for myself i did separate how i'm going to be drafting these in uh order by genre loosely uh and also i just wanted to talk about movies that i haven't got the chance to talk about yet just because i feel like there's a lot of cool movies in the criterion channel that i feel like uh, in the Criterion Collection that deserve a shout out. And uh, shockingly enough, I, I don't think I've ever got the chance to talk about my number one favorite movie of all time uh, on this channel, uh, which if you follow my letterbox, you might have noticed it. But my favorite movie of all time is Ingmar Bergman's The Seventh Seal. And that is going to be my number one pick. Uh, so, yeah, this movie, I remember I watched it when I was just on like a binge of like classic art house and like foreign films. And this one, I... 
a lot of them it was like i was watching back to backs and this one that made me kind of like stop and just like reflect on it for a while because it just it was one of those ones that hit me at there it is at the exact right time uh one of the films that really like basically made me like fall in love with movies all over again for how it can get like an emotional catharsis out of you where because for just speaking personally, I've always had like this fear of like death basically. And that's what Ingmar Bergman is doing through this movie is processing his own fear of death through this. And just with like the visual poetry storytelling that he has through this movie of the play, the uh, Antonius block played by Max von Sydow trying to avoid death uh, and basically fearing it the whole time and how that comes around at the end. It was one of those ones where it's like, I'd always been told like, you know, just enjoy the ride basically in life and just have, try to like feel as they say in the movie, feel the triumph of being alive. For some reason it didn't fully click with me until I saw this movie. And it was one of those ones that like really like changed how I think. And for that, it's my favorite movie of all time. And I'm happy to pick it for my number one pick. That's awesome. I did not know this was your favorite of all time. Um, yeah, this is a really good movie. Um, I saw it the first time, uh, for the first time a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, I think this really lives up to the hype. I just love like all like the f- surreal fantasy elements of it. Like I love the personification of death and the game and everything it means. Max one side I was great in it. Um, and it's just, just a great looking movie, the way it's shot and it just I think the, the cinematography carries the theme so well. So um, yeah, very solid number one pick. Uh Pace will go to you. Um, was this on your short list? Yeah, I uh I it, it was on my short list it wasn't super high up mainly because i just um i've only seen it once uh, on the blu-ray it was a blind buy i watched it and i was like oh this is incredible but it's definitely one that i think i need to watch again because it is such a piece of uh film uh but yeah like dylan said if, if the idea of just a character talking to the manifestation of death before he comes to take him doesn't sound interesting to you it probably one but i loved it I want to watch more Bergman. I own another Bergman movie um, on Criterion. I'm not going to name it, but it's the other, like, one of the other three big ones that he directed. Uh, but, yeah, the, this is a very, very good choice. Also, sorry, I just want to butt in for one second. I forgot to mention one thing. The final shot in the movie, or one of the last shots of the movie, of the dance, the dance with death, is my single favorite shot in any movie ever. Like, no other image from any film compares to that, in my opinion. Sorry. Go ahead, everyone else. Uh, Melissa, is this uh, uh, Seven Seal? Is this one you were thinking about taking? Yeah, I I thought about taking it. I don't know you that well, Dylan, but I knew that you do love this movie, and I was just like, I don't want to take that from him. (laughs) Like, let him have it. Um, No, I, I I am a big Ingmar Bergman fan. Everything that I've seen from him is just incredible, in my opinion. and this is no exception. This was actually the first one I ever saw, though. Weirdly enough, my sixth grade teacher showed me this movie. <laughs> um, and I was like, what is this? And I, I remember like seeking it out and watching it again. And, and then I hadn't seen it for years. And I, I recently rewatched it, I think, last year, the year uh, before that. Um, and yeah, it's just it's incredible storytelling. I, I think Igmar Bergman is amazing at visual poetry with the way that he kind of... Uh, does his storytelling in, in films. So, yeah, great pick. Cool. Uh, Scott, uh, was this on your radar at all? So, so I've never so. seen it, actually. Okay. And uh, Spence? Oh, well, no, Scott. I've never seen a Bergman film, period. Mm, okay. I have seen a Bergman film. So. 
All right. Uh, that takes over to uh, number four on the board. Payson, you are on the clock. Your number one overall pick. Yeah, there are a lot of choices I could go here, uh, but I'm going to play it real personal. Uh, I'm just going to take my favorite movie that's in the Criterion Collection. It's my fifth favorite film of all time. I think it is. Yeah, I, I would say it is probably the greatest piece of film satire to ever um, be created. I am talking about the 1964 film, Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Uh, this, uh, by proxy, is uh, my favorite comedy of all time. This is my favorite uh, Stanley Kubrick movie. I think the way... Um, it's so funny when two years ago, when Don't Look Up came out, and people said, "This is the this is what Strange Love and Network to their times. This is uh this is what uh, that movie is to now." And I think you may have just made Stanley Kubrick. I I, I don't even think he rolled in rolled in his grave. I think he rolled so much he dug out of his grave and is now just in the Earth's core. But no, uh, Peter Sellers is maybe giving my favorite film performance of all time. All three characters he plays are incredible. I know everyone loves uh, Dr. Strangelove, and he's definitely, like, the loudest and most boisterous character. Even though he only shows up, like, in the second half of the movie and might have, like, in total ten minutes of screen time. But, like, my favorite is Merkin Muffley, the president. Just that, that, that scene on the phone where he's just talking with the ambassador of Russia, and it sounds like two spouses arguing, like... Dimitri, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I'm trying to shoot them down, but they're very good at their job. I'm sorry, Dimitri. Please, it's it's incredible. Um, Sterling hated. I am convinced that when Vince McMahon was trying to create his commissioner character in the 90s, he watched Sterling Hayden in Dr. Strangelove because he's so, like, over the top and just, like, scarcely evil to see a person like this in power and just talking about bodily fluids. It's it's incredible. Like, it's, it's one of my favorite movies to rewatch. And, yeah, like, it, 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 it is scary because of how good and funny the satire is. But, yeah, uh, there are other Kubrick movies I could have picked. I'm not going to show them because uh they could maybe show up but yeah this is my it's 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 in my top five favorite films of all time and i had to pick this one no great pick um i love dr strangelove uh i say this every time the movie comes up just how modern it feels like i always have to remind myself this came out in 64 because if you just watch it and do anything about it you'd be like oh that came out like 1978 like that's just the kind of movie it is in fact this came out the same year as my fair lady is just crazy um but no, I, I, yeah, it's a great comment. And there's nothing Kubrick. You, you, you think about Kubrick as like the shining guy and the Full Metal Jacket guy and the Paths of Glory guy, and then he makes something like this, which is just so irreverent and hilarious. Um, is just shows you just the, the you know, the, the range that he had. Um, but no, uh, very solid number one pick. Melissa uh, was uh, Doctor Strange Lord on your board. It was not on my board. Um, I've only seen the movie once. I. I like appreciate its greatness and brilliance more than I think really enjoying it myself. Um, I, I do want to rewatch it though at some point. Like I, I did think it was really like smart. Like that's kind of how I felt after watching the movie. I was like, okay, that was very like smartly written and Peter Sellers, Sellers was incredible at like his performance, but I wasn't like, I don't know for me personally, I wasn't like, wow, like this is my favorite new film. I just thought it was, it was good. Scott, you bummed out about missing out on Doctor Strangelove? 
Um, not too much. It's one that needs a revisit for me. I haven't seen it since high school. I liked it then, but like I said, I, I don't, it's been a while. I probably can't offer too much of an intelligent perspective on it because I don't remember it a whole lot, but it's obviously a good pick. I, yes. I will, I will Sorry, do Scott's. How you yeah. feel about Dr. Strangelove? I'll do those Scott sentiment. I also haven't seen it since high school, but I didn't like it then because I was an itchy little fuck. Go back to the do the right thing argument. Um, so I'm happy to revisit it eventually. I am a Kubrick fan, so I'll probably like it more the second time around. Yeah, basically in the basically in the same boat as Scott. Uh, I loved it when I last saw it, but like, which I guess is not entirely what Scott said. But uh, I really loved it when I last saw it, but I haven't uh, seen it recently enough to add anything interesting to the conversation. Okay, uh, Melissa, you asked for the fifth pick. You got it. We're here. Uh, you're on the clock. Which number uh, number one overall pick? Yeah, I'm glad my number one was not taken. I was a little nervous. I wasn't sure. Uh, but I'm going to go with The Red Shoes. Um, I, I think this film is just visually a masterpiece. Um, and it's it has everything I want in a film. Um, it's kind of a melodrama at some points. It also has that blend of reality and fantasy, descended to madness uh, type of thing. Those are all like elements I love in a film. Um, and I, I love that she's our, the main character. Uh, she, she's kind of torn on, do I want to have love and connection and like flourish my like personal life or do I want to be the best in my crafts um, and that drive for success. And she's kind of torn between those uh, decisions. And I think the relationships in this movie are really complex and the performances are really well, well done. And then obviously the amazing 15 minute dance sequence is just uh, one of the best things visually I've ever seen on film. And I love that it's, it's very meta. It takes all the, the themes of the film and puts it in that play. Um, and yeah, I, I need to watch it again. I've actually only seen it one time, but, uh, I was, I was blown away and I was like, this is easily like one of my new favorite films of all time. And I think Powell Pressburger just make incredible visually stunning films. Um, so I wanted to make sure that they were on, on my list tonight. Okay, I watched this for the first time this week because I figured it was going to get drafted, um, and I liked it. It started out a little slow for me, um, but once you hit that that ballet scene, holy crap, it just takes off. That that scene is, you know, it's amazing. And the whole movie just like this technicolor dream. It looks so good. Um, it shot so well, just a different use of color and every, everything else. And like you said, the, the way the story uh, reflects, the, the story of the ballet reflects the overall story of the, of the movie and a lot of themes and stuff is, is, is pretty cool. So, yeah, um, I thought this was great. Uh, Scott, are you a Red Shoes guy? Still haven't seen this one either. I don't think it's going to be like this the whole time, but uh, yeah, hitting some blind spots. Spence. I have not seen. Dylan. I have not seen, but it's on my list for the Criterion Challenge, so I'll see it this year. Payson, I don't think you pulled this one out. Have you seen it? I did not pull this one out because I have yet to see it, but I want All right. Okay, well, that was easy enough. Before we get back to Melissa for uh, start the second round, uh, recapping round number one, uh, Scott took Do the Right Thing, Spence took In the Mood for Love, Dylan went with the Seventh Seal, 
Payson took Dr. Strangelove. Melissa took the red shoes. Now on the swing, uh, Melissa, you start round two with your next pick. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if this would get chosen or not. Um, so I am going to just pick it a little earlier than planned, but I am going to go with house from 1977. I wanted to make sure there was some horror on my, my board tonight. And this movie <laughs> is nothing you've ever seen before. Um, it, it visually is just insane. It's very eccentric, strange, surreal, um, <laughs> It's almost like a coming of age story, but it's in a horror movie, which is interesting. Um, and uh, I, I do appreciate that it like respects the like child's perspective um, and kind of has that perspective in the movie. Um, so with that said, the, the imagination is just like with uh, no bounds, which I, I, I love and um, if you haven't seen it very much, uh, <laughs> encourage you to check it out. But I think the pian piano scene is definitely like the standout of like what you remember. Um, but there's just a lot of wacky visuals and it's, it's definitely hard to explain uh, the movie because it's very much an experience type of movie, which I, I love those, those kind of films. Uh, yeah, like you said, it's, it's a little bit of everything. It's 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 a horror movie. It's a it's a coming of age story. It's a little bit of a kung fu movie. Uh, there's there's so much so many different elements they just mash together. Like it just doesn't care. Uh, it just it's just whatever it wants to be. I think this is a great pick. I'm glad you took it. Um, I didn't expect to see it to go so quick, but I thought it might go. But it's it's a great number two pick. Um, everybody else uh, who has seen House here, everybody's seen I do Dylan would have. Anybody else? <laughs> I, right, it, it, a, it was a language barrier. I, you know, I couldn't. Criterion <laughs> <laughs> sale. I walk into the store and I see the cover of this one with the cat, and he has a funny face and it's orange. I'm like, I want to get that one, and I never do, and I'm always mad I don't. <laughs> Dylan's the only one who sees it. What are your thoughts on it? What do you think about drafting this? I know you're the horror guy too. This movie is fucking insane. I love it so much. Uh, that this is like truly. It is very loose on plot. Like they basically go to this house and shit starts going crazy. And then from there on, you have no idea what's happening. Uh, yeah. And yep. it's, there's also like so, so much weird, like almost offbeat comedic moments as well. Like there's a part early on in the film where a guy just like in cartoonish fashion trips down like a, a flight of stairs outside and lands in like a mop bucket, I think. And it's like, <laughs> what is going on? The music is insane. Like there's a character named uh, Kung Fu who their whole gimmick is, they are they know kung fu and they fight they try to fight the monsters it's pretty sick and they have their own uh their own uh musical theme that always gets stuck in my head when i watch the movie uh yeah great pick uh i was not expecting it to go this quickly but yeah i'm kind of mad i didn't consider it all right uh yeah this one i definitely gotta get a rewatch i haven't seen in a while uh payson we're coming back to you for your your number two pick yeah um just just to refresh, even if a movie is out of print in the collection, as long as it had a spine number, mm -hmm. you're going to allow it? Yeah. Okay. Because I don't know it's out of print, so you, you would no, need to tell that. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and I think all the ones that are – I think this one's probably in the most danger of getting picked by a certain other member. Uh, Scott, what state are you from? 
Tennessee. Oh, I know where this is going. What's the capital of Tennessee, baby? Nash Vegas. Dang right. Yeah, uh, I am taking uh, Nashville for uh, my uh, second pick. This is one I just watched for, like, the first time three days ago. It's one that Boatman kept on telling me, like, saying, Payson, knowing you, you are going to love it. And looking up stuff about it, I was like, I'm not, like, a country music guy, so I'm not really sure why. And then watching the movie, I'm like, oh, this is why he thought I was going to love it. Uh, I love movies that cover huge casts and are just about you seeing their lives and their personal struggles and all the things that, like, um, they're dealing with. And I think this is maybe one of the best movies to ever do that. Uh, Robert Altman, the way he uh, weaves through all these 24 characters, the way how he makes uh, the city of Nashville feel like a character, I think is really, really effective. Uh, the music, even though I'm not, like, a big country music guy, I, I do think is really, really good. One of, like a scene that I've watched like five times since I've seen the movie is the scene where Keith Carradine plays I'm easy for Lily Tomlins, where his character goes up in the club and he's like, uh, Hey, this is a song I just wrote. I wrote it for someone. Maybe she's here tonight. And just, he performs the song. It's you listen to the lyrics. It's like one of the most like longingly romantic songs you'll ever hear. And just, it keeps cutting to Lily Tomlins character who knows exactly that this song is about her they're my favorite relationship in the movie, but I also love, like, Ned Beatty's, like, slimy, like, business, like, like lawyer-esque uh, mentality. Um, the character of Sue Ann, who is someone that, like, is not musically talented by any means, but she wants to become a musician. And it seems like uh, she, she, doesn't re she doesn't realize why the record producers want to start cast, like, want to start giving her deals. And it's because they expect certain favors from her, which is, like, really gross. Yeah, this movie definitely hits, like, the dark elements of some of these characters. I think it has a really, like, unique ending. Like, it's an ending that should be kind of dark, but it has, like, this weird, like, uplifting feel to it. Uh, this is just one that I've been thinking about since I saw it uh, on Sunday, I believe. I just had, like, three hours to spend, and I was like, you know, I'm going to watch Nashville for the first time. And, yeah, I think it is incredible. Uh, there are a few other Robert Altman movies I own. Uh, but I do not actually own this one because it costs around eighty dollars as a Blu-ray. I'm currently in an eBay bidding war to try to get it to, to get it for cheaper. But uh, <laughs> excellent film. All right, uh, Payson taking Nashville as number two pick. This is a very unique movie. What I love about this film is that it's like there's half a dozen movies all happening at the same time. And you're just kind of wandering through all of them and you weave in and out and you visit these characters and see what they're doing. And then you go and you see, watch somebody else. And, you know, then you, you come back and see what, you know, what's happening with that story left off. Um, and everybody, I like how the, the all intertwine. So everybody's, everybody's yeah. walking through this movie, like they're the main character, because in some sense they all are the main character of their own movie. And um, I just think that's a really unique way to put a film like this together. You know, people say it's like it's not that it's not that heavy. On plot. I think it's very heavy on plots. It has a lot of different plots going on all at once. Um, and it's yeah, it's just it's it's a lot of fun to watch. And I think it makes it easy, really digestible for a movie with this length. Um, so yeah, I think great uh, number two overall pick, uh, Melissa. Uh, was Nashville something you were considering? 
Um, I have actually not seen this. It's been on my watch list. Um, I've only seen one Robert Altman film, and I absolutely loved it. And I gave it five stars, so I need to see more of his movies. But I don't want to mention it, just in case it might come up. (laughs) Don't tip your picks. Uh, Scott, again, your home state. Uh, Was there any bias there where you considered taking this because of that? Um. Sure, there's bias, I guess, but it's also an incredible film. Uh, yeah. Of course, I like it for the Tennessee connection, but uh, that's far from the only reason. Um, yeah, amazing, like, portrait of America. I don't really know how he holds it all together, but he does, how Altman is able to do it. But he does. The movie just feels so alive, so vibrant. You barely notice as it's skirting from story to story because you're so captivated and in the moment and the ending is incredible it was on my top 100 scenes list um, makes you feel a lot of things at once um, and again a, a very sort of maybe relevant scene um, for how we approach tragedies today um, when they happen in america so this was very high on my draft board very good pick Payson. okay spence i haven't seen this but i have seen popeye so i know my robert Altman priorities <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere Zach Ford just sat up. And Dylan. I haven't seen it either. Okay. All right, Dylan, where do you for your next pick? Yeah, so I don't have much uh criterions to show off, like Criterion Blu-rays, but uh this is the one of the few ones I do have. I'm gonna go for my um my pick here. I'm gonna pick my horror film of the ones that I'm drafting, and I'm gonna, gonna go with one of my probably my favorite film from one of my favorite directors. I one David Lynch. I'm going with Eraserhead. Uh yeah, I, I love this movie so much. Uh, one thing that I like about David Lynch's films is, again, it's not really kind of like with House. It's not really like a solid plot. It's more of just like an overall mood and atmosphere. And I think this one was like very, it's his most straightforward plot in a sense, where it's just basically it's all about uh, a, a father who like, or someone who learns that they're a father to this uh, demon baby, basically, that won't stop screaming. And it's all about... Uh, fatherhood unplanned fatherhood and it's like in a very terrifying very it's like it conveys that in a very terrifying way that gets like super surrealist and insane and yeah i just i love the overall descent into madness and like also there's some weirdly like eerily beautiful scenes that end up being even more creepy like with the lady in the radiator the song that she sings in heaven everything is fine is like very very creepy but the song is like really really good in my opinion uh but yeah uh love this movie not much more else to say about it yeah i finally got around to watch this one because you know we're talking criterion and you were going to be here so i figured i need to watch Eraserhead. uh i finally checked it off my list uh yeah it's it's a movie um <laughs> i i know i don't know how to feel about it I, i'll say i'll say this I, I i assume when david lynch made this film there was a certain way that he wanted me to feel while watching it and he succeeded. So for, for that alone, I'll give him points. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's off the wall. It's, it's, um, as we say, it's not a Cody movie. Um, there's not, there's not one we'll, we'll have Cody watch anytime soon. Um, but yeah, a lot of it's interesting, but yeah, just some horrific imagery. Um, and above all, I know he, he doesn't like to talk about it because he wants to keep it mysterious. But I, I want to know how they did some of the effects. Like that baby is so creepy looking with his eyes. Like the eyes look so real. And the inside of its mouth is just so gross. They show that close up of it crying. Um, but yeah, just a lot of really disturbing images. Uh, 
So we'll go uh, reverse here since we're going that direction. Uh, Spence, Eraserhead, thoughts? You think I've seen this shit? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Scott? I love David Lynch, but somehow I've still never seen this one. (laughs) Melissa, how about you? Oh, you it's it might not be a Cody movie, but it's a Melissa movie. <laughs> I I I love this movie. Uh definitely thought about drafting it tonight, but I I, I thought it might get taken. Um but yeah, no this this movie is just a fever dream. Um incredible nightmarish <laughs> images. Uh I I do think the sound design in this movie is like amazing and I really would love to see this on the big screen at some point in my life. Uh, just, I think that would really even add to this crazy movie. Because it's definitely one of those, again, experience type of movies where you just just enjoy the ride of what you're seeing visually. <laughs> and uh, Pace, how about you? This movie's fucking awesome. Right? <laughs> yeah, like what a what a like baller first movie just to come out of the gate and say, "This is me, guys," and it's just a guy just walking around thinking about his deformed ugly child like sorry but like that 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 i i realized how unpolitically correct that wasn't calling the child ugly but it's an ugly child like babies can be yeah. ugly fuck babies yeah <laughs> like, like like melissa said i think the sound design just it, it just disturbs you like just thinking about this movie it's one of those few movies where just thinking about it just it makes you feel uneasy yeah david lynch is a badass uh he's directed one of my favorite like he directed my favorite tv show of all time and I've seen a few of his of his movies, and I've liked all of them except for one. Uh, it's not in the collection, so I can name it. Uh, I've always said as a joke, a uh, four-pointer in PLA I've always wanted to write is name something that happens in Inside Empire. And Check no yourself. One. It is in the Criterion. Now that that is a movie right there. <laughs> All right, quit, quit uh, timid picks. Uh, Spence, uh, come to I will not be drafted. <laughs> Spence, what's your number uh, two overall pick here so, on the clock? I want to clarify something just because I feel like it's. I might I might sound inauthentic for the next few picks. Ever since the top one hundred, I'm not picking movies in the top one hundred for YLS anymore. Everyone told me to talk about it extensively. I'm done. There are seven movies in my top 100 on, in the Criterion list. I'm probably going to avoid them, except for maybe one. I am going to pick, though, um, maybe Martin Scorsese's best movie. It's at least top two. I think Raging Bull is a masterclass in acting. I think Robert De Niro gives one of the best performances in film history. I, I remember seeing this. Uh, this doesn't sound really shitty. I saw this on a portable DVD player on a road trip to college. Um, and if that fucking movie can play as well as it does on that tiny, like literally this big, tiny-ass screen, I can't imagine what it would be like on the big screen on my TV here or anything like that. It blew me away as sort of like, it's like not a, quite an introduction to Scorsese, but one of the, like my earlier experiences. And knowing him as like the newer guy or growing up, I'm like, oh yeah, it's that guy from Shark Tale. And then just seeing how we can change like cinema i felt so many things were introduced to me in the best way like how do you top this and also joe pesci home alone guy nah this dude fucking rips i 
he does he does the best, he does the best thing. He's an angry what, short what Italian dude, and Pesci? he mastered it. <laughs> what did you say about no no? What did you say about Joe Pesci? Did you say he's ripped? No, I said he's short. Oh, okay. oh, rips. Yeah, I can't say oh, fucks anymore, okay. so he rips. That makes more sense. That makes more sense. Um, no, obviously you're not going to go wrong with me picking Scorsese. Uh, this is a great pick, great movie. Uh, some of the probably the best boxing ever put to film. Um, the way he, he he films the boxing scenes in this movie is just pretty amazing. Um, and yeah, uh, his performance and just his, you know, the the, the time frame he covers the different periods that's got the ups and downs um, that he he's able to portray is really great. And yeah, it's a great uh, supporting cast as well. Um, so great pick. Uh, we'll go to Scott first. Was Raging Bull something you're considering drafting? I wasn't considering drafting yet, but it's a great movie. The only thing that holds me back is just, it is not, it doesn't make me feel good. Like this, this movie makes me, is a feel bad movie for sure. It's not something that I want to think about or come back to. Did you skip out um, the theater after seeing do the right thing? <laughs> well, no, but again, it has its moments. Um, but yeah, no, no, I mean, it's a fair point, but I do think it's an amazing movie. And like you said, the boxing scene, I mean, I think this is might be Thelma Schoonmacher's best work with Scorsese, like the, especially during those boxing scenes. Um, like that is some jaw dropping stuff that she does from an editing perspective. So I can't fault the pick at all. It's just, you know, not my favorite, but it is one of the best. All right. Uh, Melissa, I don't think I've ever heard your take on Scorsese in general. What are your thoughts on Raging Bull? I love Raging Bull. This was actually, I think, my first Scorsese because uh, this is this was one of my dad's favorite films. So I, re- I remember watching this as a young child and thinking, what the hell? But it was really good. <laughs> um, I haven't seen it in a really long time. Um, it's definitely due for a rewatch. But I think if I w- were to rank Scorsese, this would actually be pretty high and people would probably hate my rankings of Scorsese <laughs> because I feel like all the movies that people think are okay of his, I think are like his best. So, but no, this is a great pick. I didn't we'll consider just... it for the list though. We'll discuss that later. I'm curious now. Okay. Uh, Pesa, what are your thoughts? Uh, I kind of have a feeling what we going to say about this, but Raging Bull. Yeah, Raging Bull is one of the great uh, American films of all time. I think Robert De Niro is giving like a top 20 favorite, like one of my like top top 20 greatest performances ever um, is De Niro in this movie. I think the way he just captures Jake LaMotta through every era of his life, whether he is the up-and-coming boxing star to just the guy that just like you see the uh like like backstage of his life and how awful he is to his wife and brother and then just seeing the end he's just this fat schlubby guy who just gained a bunch of uh, pounds because he just couldn't stop eating pasta i think is really incredible yeah it's one i i think the cinematography is just like people don't talk about how just gorgeous this movie looks and just the shots like the that opening shot of him just in the boxing boxing gym with that music playing is just incredible um yeah it's i i would put it as my sixth favorite scorsese movie but that is purely just a comment on how strong his filmography is uh if we were to have done this draft in july i would have chosen after hours because that's uh that's one of my top three favorite scorsese movies but yeah, phenomenal pick. 
I will say I agree, I agree with Isaac Mac, Isaac McAdoo. Silence is my favorite Scorsese movie, for the record. All right, and uh, Dylan, uh, was Raging Bull on, on your radar at all? No, this is another one I haven't seen in a while, so I, I don't have a lot of interesting stuff to say about it. But yeah, this is like, I, from what I can remember, I'm not a huge fan of like biopics, but this is one that I really like because it really does not pull any punches in this, uh, depicting this guy's life. Like he is, no, no, no pun intended. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he really is a piece of shit in this movie and it's tough to watch, but uh, I feel like it's been a lot long enough. I need to give it a rewatch, so. All right, uh, Scott, you didn't want the number one spot, but you got it, and we're back to you. Uh, finish out round two for us here. All right. I'm feeling pretty good um, about where I'm at, actually. Okay, I'm going to take one of the more recent additions to the Criterion Collection because it's one of the more recent films in the Criterion Collection. Um, I think it's probably a movie we all love. It's from 2021, and it's the worst person in the world. Yeah, you bitch. <laughs> I'm looking at the poster. I'm actually looking at the poster on my wall as I speak. So um, I I should have pulled a Payson and just taken the whole poster off the wall and held that in front of the camera. <laughs> but I I do own the Criterion Blu-ray as well. So, but um, yeah, this movie's amazing. Uh, it definitely fits in that subgenre I love of like coming of age movies about mid to late 20 somethings. Um, obviously I am a mid to late 20 something. I will be an even later 20 something in about six days. Um, but I, uh, so I relate to this movie a lot and um, the struggle to some degree of the, of the main character, Julie, just trying to sort of figure her life out, get her life together, figure out what she wants. We see this opening montage sort of of her trying out all these different pursuits that she's interested in, like not really knowing exactly what she wants to commit to, feeling somewhat similar in her relationships, right? She has um, Axel, her boyfriend, who seems like a fairly stable partner, but, you know, she ends up being enticed by someone else and enticed by something else. Um, and just following her free spiritedness is kind of intoxicating throughout the movie. Um, even as, you know, there is some apprehension about it and, you know, maybe the knowledge that it's not going to be able to continue like this forever. Um, the movie gets really sort of moving in the third act, I think, especially when she reunites with Axel and he is, at the hospital. I mean, I think we've most, most of us have seen it by now. Anders Danielson Lee gives a great performance as Axel. Um, the conversation that they have outside in the courtyard, other than the obvious scene is probably my favorite scene in the movie. Like the dialogue there is amazing. The dialogue throughout this movie is amazing. Joachim Trier and Eskel vote like that. They are men who wrote female character in a very intelligent and, you know, sensitive way, which, um, you know, you don't always see. So, I really appreciate that. Obviously, Renata Reinsva deserves um, a mention as well because she's amazing. Um, yeah, it's a great movie. It's a shame the, the screenplay just wasn't better than Belfast, but, um, you know, <laughs> what can you do? Um, but, yeah, amazing movie. Um, and, again, one that hits hard with me and, and it's right there with some other movies that I love that maybe will come up tonight, uh, but with similar subject matter. Okay. Um, this is one actually I haven't got around to seeing yet. Um, I do definitely want to watch it. I watched some scenes. I think you had it on your um, on some scenes on your top 100 scenes, Scott. So I watched those for that. And it's really look, looks really good. Looks like a really good. The, the scene that I watched really intrigued me. Maybe, you know, want to see yeah. the movie, but still got around to it. So, um, Melissa, uh, was this something you were considering? 
Um, I wasn't considering it for the list, um, maybe because of like I've only seen it once and it is so recent. But regardless, I still think it's a great pick. Um, I just didn't even think about it. Um, yeah, I drove an hour from my house to go see it because it wasn't playing anywhere near me. Um, so anytime that happens, it's like I do remember those experiences more than others. I think just because it's a journey journey to go see the movie. But no, I uh, I remember just feeling like blown away by 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 the movie. I thought the screenplay was excellent because um, I, I agree with Scott. The dialogue is incredible, and it it really just captures. Uh, just relationships in a very like human and realistic way, and I um, the performances were really well done, and yeah, it's a, it's a great film. I need to I need to rewatch it. All right, uh, Payson. Yeah, uh, good call, Scott. I was gonna take this on the roundabout. Uh, I adore this movie with every fiber of my being. By the way, can I just say what an awesome Criterion cover. Like, it, it's not the it's full good. poster, but I love this cover. Anyone that's seen this movie knows what this is in reference to. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I I I ranked earlier this year my 30 favorite movie of the tw- 30 favorite movies of the 2020 so far. This is my third favorite. I think uh, I'm I think so bad. I'm going to probably mispronounce her name. Uh, Renate Reinsev. Is, did I pronounce that correctly? Or Isn't it Renata Reinsev? Renata Reinsev, yeah. Renata Reinsev uh, is giving my favorite performance of the decade so far. I think she is absolutely incredible. I just think the way this movie portrays this character as someone who has serious, serious flaws, but, like, there's no judgment at all towards the character, and you're just watching these 12 chapters in her life. Um, I love the storytelling uh, framework of doing that. Um and yeah, just just the third act where she reconnects with her ex-boyfriend and just how impactful it gets and how she thinks, like, you know, maybe we weren't, like, right for each other, but I'm very happy you were you were a part of my life. And and yeah, there are certain scenes, whether it's the, the shot from the poster, whether it's the drug scene, whether it's the ending shot, like, and I, Kirk hasn't seen it, so I'm not going to spoil it, but just... This is a movie. Just I. The more I think about it, the more I love it. And uh, it 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 could very well be my second favorite movie of the 2020s. Uh, I I can't say it's better than Paul Thomas Anderson, but it's so so good. Oh, it's so good. Thank you, Scott. We have the same favorite. Then. <laughs> uh, Dylan, are you feel as passionately about this as Dylan as uh, Payson does? Uh, well, yeah, I do love the movie uh, Neon. Love Neon. Uh, this is probably one of their better films. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think I talked about it on YLS uh, when I was last on. But th- this is these types of movies like Francis Ha and th- well, this movie about like mid twenties trying to find like their direction basically is. Uh, it hits hits pretty close to home with where I'm at right now. Uh, so yeah, I, I love how this movie captures it. Great film. Uh, Spence, I'm guessing this is one that was on your draft board rather it was it was like lower it probably might have been like a fifth round pick just because again i think there's a lot of five star movies this is a four and a half it's a fucking razor margin at that point but this this is this is great um i think i was in the camp like oh it's like the second best non-english movie last year but it's still fucking great like pulling the straws at that point pulling hairs splitting hairs whatever i'll i'll look at it later but yeah i I'll, I'll, I'll double check because I genuinely don't remember. I remember that opinion, but not like the perspective. 
All right. Okay, so worst person in the world is off the board. Uh, before Scott makes the next pick, I'll recap round two. Um, Melissa took house, Pace with Nashville, Dylan picked Razorheads, Spence took Raging Bull, and Scott picked worst person in the world. That brings us back to Scott on the wraparound. Start off round three with your number three pick, Scott. You are on the clock. All right, so just as how I love the coming-of-age 20-something movies is a subgenre I love, another subgenre I love, the the crime procedural um, is one that I am definitely a big fan of, as many people know. And maybe, well, it's not the greatest one, but it's very close to the greatest one. It, it inspired what is probably the greatest one. Um, but an amazing masterpiece of a film is Bong Joon-ho's Memories of Murder. Um, so that's my next pick. Um, amazing film about like the investigation into South Korea's first serial killer. Um, you have Bong Joon-ho threading that tonal needle like he always does so well where there's like moments of genuine humor in this movie. But like the stakes are the same. The darkness of it, like the seriousness of the subject matter is the same um, throughout. But you also just have a guy drop kicking people for no reason. Um and you just have a lot of funny dialogue and the cops are kind of bumbling. And But, you know, it's been talked about before, but the fascinating thing is watching the arcs of the two main characters. Um, I believe it's it's Sung Kang-ho and then I believe Kim Sang-kyung is the other guy's name. But the two of them sort of reversing their arcs as the course of the movie goes on. And the, the, you know, country cop with no standards becoming, you know the actual serious investigator and then the out of town, you know, more by the book guy really throwing out his, all of his rules by the end, just because he becomes obsessed with getting the right person. Some like amazing haunting images in this movie. There's a bandage. That's a super haunting image, a sneaker, like, um, and obviously the last image of, you know, of Song Kang Ho staring straight into the camera, like, who is it? Could it be you? Could it be the person sitting next to you? Who is the killer? Um, you know, that's one of those images that stays with you. So um, I got to see this movie. Actually, it was like it randomly came to my theater like during the pandemic, like when people were at least going back to theaters a little bit. And I was like, I got to take this opportunity up. And I went and saw it. That was the first time watch I had on the big screen. So that was a really awesome experience to have. Obviously, I own it now. I've seen it multiple times. It's so good. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about this movie is like every time a fight breaks out, there are no punches thrown. It's all just jump kicks. Yeah. And like to, to, to the point where like I'm like, if an American had made this movie, I would say this is really racist. But it's a Korean, <laughs> there must be something to it. Um, the, oh. No, but I think this movie is great. I think this is um, yeah, th that's my one of my favorite things in movies is like the opposing reverse arcs where they started in like one spot and then they, they kind of switch roles, um, which is just, I, I love, I love that about this. Um, the mystery is great. Again, this is another one. I'll be honest. Another When I first watched it, I've only seen it once so far. Um, another one where they throw you into the story. And I love that. Um, but because of the language barrier, it took me a little while to get caught up. And I think if I watched it again, I'd get a little more, a lot more out of it. Um, not something that usually bothers me too much, but just a couple, every once in a while, the way the story is told, the way it's laid out, the way the dialogue works, sometimes I get tripped up. So I'm not a very bright guy. Um, we are on round three. So Melissa, we're going to come to you first, uh, with, uh, your thoughts on memory of murder. 
Yeah, um, no, this is a great pick. I thought it might get taken. I've only seen it once, but it was incredible. Um, it's definitely one of those movies I've recommended to so many of my coworkers and like people um, because I do think it's just an excellent film. Um, and anytime I talk to people who are like, I kind of want to watch foreign films, but I'm not sure. This is definitely one that's like up there that I'll recommend uh, for people. Uh, no, I, that ending scene or shot is like one of my favorites like ever. Um, if, if we're ever were to do like a ending shots list, this would be very high up there for sure. Great pick. Pace, I'm not sure if I've ever heard you talk about this one. Is this something you wanted to draft? I yeah, it's definitely what I was thinking. I adore this movie. Um, this was maybe I want to say I watched this movie for the first time in 2022, and it would no 2021, and it was my favorite movie. Like I think I watched that year, um, except for maybe one other one that it could technically be picked tonight. But yeah, like Scott said, just the intertwining nature of the detectives and how they change perspective. I think is incredible. I think this movie has a weird amount of like humor to it, even like uh, despite the story like being as dark as it is. Like, um, there's a scene where they're like, "Well, it looks like the um, the perpetrator that uh, he has a very unique uh, penis look." And then one of the guys, and then one of the detectives is like, "Well, what am I supposed to do with that information? How am I supposed to uh, to deduce this?" And then the next shot is him in a hot spring. Just watching when they're out the sauna, yeah. Yeah, just watching people just go by. <laughs> <laughs> and you can just see his eyes like, Yep, this is my job. This is my job. <laughs> and then yeah, like the 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 score of the film, the way it's shot, the the scene where you're watching the woman just walk through the fields. And if if you like if, if you're watching the back, you can see the killer like at points, just like then that music kicks in. Yeah. Oh, it's so every time like in this movie, because you hear like, oh, the killer own like you 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 learn something about the killer that uh his like his uh trigger is uh is a certain song on the radio. And every time that song comes on the radio in this movie, when that happens, you're like, oh no, oh my gosh. And then yeah, like the drop kick is incredible. One day I want to meet a fan of this movie and just and hopefully they'll get me if I just drop kick them right there, and they'll be like, "Dylan, what's your take on this movie?" I actually haven't seen it. All right, and Spence, how about you? Hmm? Memories of Murder. Oh, haven't seen it. All right. Okay, uh, Spence, that takes us to you for your number three pick. Yes, I will keep a pattern. Uh, so our next film will also be an international film. And I will go with what else am I but a fan of the gay shit. Uh, so I'll pick a classic, uh, Itamama Tambien. What, just stellar road trip movie. Like, <laughs> I, I also think there's a really fun... Everyone's just, okay, we're done. I, I just think it's really fun. Um, it's a dynamic that I haven't really seen before in Okay by Dawn. Uh, <laughs> it's it's just two dudes, you know, doing it out, and they both fall in love with one of the guy's like cousins, second cousin. I forget how it's connected, and then they end up just through the road trip, coming of age, like changing their perspectives on life and each other, and realizing things that they wouldn't have had they not gone in this insane journey through Mexico. And 
I just came upon this at a young age um, where I didn't see a lot of gay shit in movies. And I'm like, wow, that's some gay shit. And it makes me really happy. I don't know why. We'll unpack that later. Um, but I think any movie that, it's a minor spoiler, uh, that has a scene where two dudes are just jacking it into a public pool, like, that has to raise some ears. Like, how does this get made? And, you know, it's five stars. Like, how do you miss, how do you miss with that? Also, new suit every round, because I'm fucking committed. Oh, I'm so ready to go. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, this is probably my least favorite Quran that I've seen. Um, I think there's some... Uh, you see, you see the the the, the uh, talent there. Um, what he, you know, what he's capable of a filmmaker. But I just, I, I connect to it to those scenes the way you did, Spence. Um, I do really like um, the main actress. I, I forget her name, um, but I think she's she's really good. And I think her her story and you know as it's revealed, I, I really like the way this the, the that her story is kind of unspooled. And you kind of get a little piece of a time what's going on with her when you finally find out. Um, it's kind of devastating, um, but her her arc is pretty solid. Um, but other than that, like I said, this is just not necessarily for me. Uh, Scott, I think based on your comments, you probably haven't seen this. I have not. Um, yeah, I want to because I like Quaron. I should probably see it, but haven't. All right, uh, Melissa, your thoughts on this one? I have not seen it. All right, Payson. I own it. I have not seen And Dylan. <laughs> Canada sucks. This movie isn't available to watch anywhere here. It sucks. So I haven't All seen right. it. Okay. I, spoiled, I spilled the pool jack for nothing. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see it. <laughs> All right, Dylan, uh, you're on the clock now. Uh, what is your number three pick? Yeah, well, going off my last pick of Eraserhead, it's on the same line. I'm going to go with a very dark movie full of despair with the master of disturbing, uh, one being Jacques Tati, uh, which that joke only works if you know who Jacques Tati is, which I guess not a lot of people in this community do. Uh, but he's one of my favorite directors. Uh, and this is my, I'm going with my favorite film of his, one of my favorite comedies ever, Playtime. Uh, this is, I think, one of the most, one of the biggest, like, achievements of, like, just visual filmmaking ever for, like, this uh, slapstick comedy. Like, it's weird to say that a, a comedy is like one of the best looking movies ever made. But like, if you know the story behind this movie, uh, this movie was a massive commercial failure. Like he basically sunk an entire studio who made them go bankrupt making this movie. And you could see it just on screen because that what they were able to achieve visually with all the sets and how it's like shot is amazing. Like it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Like Jacques Tati has a way of, filming just like these normal normal everyday uh like sort of buildings and architecture and stuff that isn't really all that like far from what you'd see normally he makes it feel like a sci-fi movie which is necessary to the main character of her uh monsieur hulot who is a very old-fashioned guy and a lot of the humor comes with him uh you know coming to terms of like modern the modernization of the world and like technology and stuff and yeah the way that they capture it is great a lot of amazing sight gags like when they go at the, to the restaurant at the end just all the slapstick insanity that goes on there is amazing and so well done and told visually uh yeah just his like environments in his movies like uh, he i feel like with the phrase which a lot of people kind of say a lot it's become a cliche like 
that an, the environment of a movie is a character like that really applies to Jacques Tati's movies more than any other filmmaker really. Cause like just the atmosphere and how he captures the environment is just so amazing. And it, it, this movie is like, unlike any other comedy I've really ever seen. So yeah, I love it. And it's one of the few films I would go to see in theaters if they re-released it. I hate theaters. <laughs> um, I watched this for the show. I'd never seen it before. And I thought this was great. Um, if you describe this movie to me, um, I, if you told me it was like uh, almost how long is about two hours, right? Uh, a little yeah. over two hours. Uh, it's yeah. it's uh, of just uh, you know sight gags and physical comedy and almost no talking. I would probably think I was going to check out of that pretty soon. But yeah, this movie is first of all talk about the way it looks. It looks great, like just the sets and the depth uh, and the the way just how big everything looks and how cavernous everything is um and i think what's cool about it, it looks great but i think like they use those sets uh for the comedy like there's so many funny gags based on that and i just love the way they use perspective like you'll you'll see you'll see somebody sitting in a room and you don't know what, what where they're at and then like they'll switch the flip the camera around you'll say okay okay this is what you gotta get start to get your bearings and it kind of keeps you on your toes like yeah there's a scene where a guy walks there's a there's a dark like closet and a guy walks into because he sees something curious and then you realize oh that's the elevator the door shut just just things like that um where they really use the the environment to 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 build on the comedy um and yeah this the 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 main actor uh i didn't check his name i forgot check his Jack name, Tati. is that is that who it is? okay yeah, yeah the he's director too. very much like a like a buster keaton or a charlie chaplin type um you know feels very influenced for them but i also feel like you mentioned sci-fi the sci-fi kind of feel to it um terry gilliam definitely watched this movie because it has a lot when you watch brazil um has a lot of that same feeling to it like just that overwhelming you know societal modern society pressure on you um but no, I thought this movie was great. Um, like I said, just no, just not even joke a minute, joke every couple of seconds. And it's not like a lot of comedies like this that are, are based on just physical, like like broader seeming comedy. Um, kind of put it in your face, like haha, laugh at this. Look how funny it is. But there's so many subtle jokes to this. There's so many like just things where like, I want to go back and watch because there's you know there's scenes where there's eight different things happening at a time, and I I probably caught like two or three of them, and they're all different you know. J- different jokes and gags happening um so i think it'd be great yeah this would be awesome to see on the big screen because just the like i said the scope of it is is so amazing so yeah i think it's a great pick um we'll go to uh payson first have you seen this one uh i have not but i just want to tackle something that dylan said dylan did you say you hate going to the theaters mostly yeah (laughs) to each their own fair that's probably my biggest hot take in this community (laughs) i try to avoid it when i can Pretty big hot take. Go Netflix. <laughs> Tim, Tim, please mute the mute the stream right now for the next. I, I, I on, on, on like film festival draft. He's like, oh yeah, and, and my random one. I'm in my fucking. I'm on my couch. Um, Melissa, <laughs> um, have you seen Playtime? I have not. It's on my watch list, but I've not seen it, so I'll have to check it out. Scott, how about you? Next time I play Dylan in trivia, my strength is going to be theatrically released new releases. <laughs> um, so there's no other way he can do that. But no, I'm kidding. Um, I haven't seen this. However, it's funny that the theater thing comes up because the indie theater up in Winston-Salem 
is actually showing this as part of their sight and sound series oh. in July. So I really want to go see it because it sounds like it would be amazing on big screen. That's not the independent picture house, though. It's a different one, right? No, it's in Winston-Salem. It's Aperture. Okay. So, yeah. Spence, you see this? I, I like you said Jacques Demi, and I got very scared for a second, but we're good. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, Payson, your third pick, please. Yeah. Um... Is Coho backstage right now? No. Okay, well, no one's going to play the clip, even though it probably should get played, so if anyone wants to sing it, they can. Uh, There's this director from Japan. His name is Akira Kurosawa. He's made a bunch of great films. Um, Yep, you got it. Uh, There are some ones I can name. I'm not going to because they could be other picks. I'm going to take legitimately my favorite one, and that is Yojimbo. Uh, Yojimbo is one of – it's definitely for me the one – the Kurosawa film I like to revisit and rewatch the most, mainly because I just find it so much fun to watch. I think the character of Sanjiro – is so interesting how he just knows how to like play these two warring factions back to back. Um, I, I think Toshiro Mifune, um, if this isn't my favorite performance he's ever given, I, I it's definitely my favorite character he's played. Um, you can see all the influences that Kurosawa had on Western cinema when you rewatch this one. When I tell people to get into Kurosawa films, this is one of the first ones I say to start with, even though it is my favorite. Uh, most people don't have it as, like, their favorite, like me. Um, so they'll see that and they'll go on to discover other ones. But, yeah, um, it's it's an awesome samurai movie. To me, it's the pinnacle of that. Uh, yeah, it's it's Yojimbo. Kirk, I have a question for you. When you were coming into this uh, trivia community, do you ever consider your trivia nickname to be Kirk the Yojimbro Kowalkowski? <laughs> He's not Ruben Colon. Come on. No, but <laughs> if we ever te- if we ever team up, Payson, we're going to be the Yo Jim Bros. Yo Jim Bros. No, Pat, Kirk, Pat, you Pat, missed Pat. your chance when you teamed up with Jim Green. That would have been the chance, right? Green <laughs> <laughs> back mix up. I've been saying Yo Jim Bros. <laughs> you missed it. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean. Yeah, I love this movie. Uh, this is this is probably my per- I think Seven Seven Samurai. Well, I shouldn't name picks, but um, I think he may have better movies. Um, but this is personally my uh, favorite, uh, my most enjoyable to watch. Uh, yeah, I just watch this and then I go. And anytime I watch any other, you know, Japanese or American uh, crime or samurai or western or uh, any movie, like you just see the fingerprints of this movie all through it. And um, yeah, he—it's—it's it's just such a fun movie to watch. It's funny. It's really funny. Um, there's great action, great fights. It's a great character. Um, yeah, there's there's nothing not to love about this movie. The score, amazing score. Um, just the, the the scenes. It's in the, it's in the my opener. Um, just that standoff scene, so good. Um, yeah, I, I, I go out all day about this movie, but I will let everybody else talk. Uh, Melissa. Uh, have you seen Yojimbo? I have not seen it yet, but from what I've seen so far of Kurosawa, I I am really enjoying his filmmaking, so I'm excited to see it at some point. That's awesome. Scott? Same as Melissa, I've seen three Kurosawas. I think they're all five stars for me, but I haven't seen this one yet. Spence? Spence? <laughs> 
Are you muted? Wait, oh, you see? Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> like barely uh, here. <laughs> Five minutes too late. Mind the right clip. I haven't seen it. Dylan. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, Kurosawa. Obviously, I was on the YLS episode. He's one of my one of my favorite directors. Uh, also, I set uh, like I said at the beginning, I set this arbitrary rule where uh, films that I've talked before, I wanted to like avoid those. Uh, but yeah, I love this movie. It's very much him, uh, sort of Akira Kurosawa going up basically against what he's typically known for because he's a very optimistic filmmaker most of the time, and this is like his most like cynical movie with it how like you know the character of Yojimbo just like manipulates both sides of these people just for his own personal gain like it's really really interesting how it's all done and yeah just uh, some great action scenes and Toshiro Mifune is obviously amazing so yeah great pick all right yeah great pick from Pace Yojimbo uh his third pick uh Melissa close out the round for us uh you're on the clock sure um I am gonna go I couldn't not do this list without a Bergman film. So I'm going to go with my personal favorite from what I've seen, which is Persona. Um, this movie is absolutely incredible. Um, we talked about it with his other movie, The Seven Seal. Uh, the visual poetry that he's able to like achieve in this. Hell yeah, Dylan. I don't own it, but I, I really want to. Uh, the visual <laughs> and Payson, hell yeah. <laughs> I've even taken um, this one with the shrink wrap. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just what he's able to achieve in less than 90 minutes, which I, I love a movie that's less than 90 minutes. This one's nice and short. Um, and yeah, the visual poetry is incredible. The the two lead actresses, uh, Bibi Anderson and Liv Ullman are incredible. And I feel like they're not talked about enough. Uh, they are just two incredible actresses. Everything I've seen them in, they always just blow me away. Um, on the surface, it might be just a simple film of two women talking, but it, there's just so much more. There's so many layers to this movie. Um, yeah, I've I've actually only seen it once. I didn't get a chance to like rewatch any movies for tonight. I wanted to rewatch this one, but I didn't have time. Uh, but it still has like stuck with me. I just. I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, what the hell did I just watch? And I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've only seen this the one time. I enjoyed it. I don't think I fully understood it. Um, but yeah, I think like you, you had known was a movie like this. It's like so like visual and, you know, just very like heavy on the psychological stuff. The fact that it's only 90 minutes is really nice. You just, you're just in, you're out, you get, you get the message and you're done. Um, I think that's really solid, but yeah, definitely a movie I need to rewatch because again, um, I think it was well-made. I just didn't wrap my head around totally on that first watch. Uh, Payson. Yeah. You didn't take uh, it out of the shrink yet. Have you watched it? Yeah, I have not yet watched it. No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I believe the shrink was crapped on, cracked on yours, Dylan. Yeah. Your thoughts on this movie? Yeah, I love this movie. Uh, this would be in my top 100. I, I've seen, th like, I think three, no, I think four films by uh, Ingmar Bergman, and I thought all of them were amazing. Like, uh, just no one really makes films like him, and I think this is one of those interesting, like, almost like Rorschach tests of a movie where you could play it for someone and, like, uh, I feel like a bunch of people would have many different interpretations of it. Uh, if you were also like, if you were to put a gun to my head and just ask me like what film has the best looking uh, black and white cinematography ever, this would 
probably be the film I would say. Like there's the shots in this movie are absolutely stunning. Like so, so well made, but yeah, love this movie. Cool. Uh, Spence, have you seen Persona? I have not. I've not seen a single Bergman movie. Uh, that's uh, We have covered that. Sorry. And Scott. And I have seen a Bergman film, but again, it is still not this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so that brings us to the end of round three. To recap, uh, Scott went with Memories of Murder. Uh, Spence took Itu Mama Tamien. Dylan took Playtime. Payson uh, nabbed Yojimbo. And Melissa closed the round out with Persona. So that takes us to round four, and we are back to Melissa for your fourth pick. Okay. Um, I am going to go with a movie that is incredibly disturbing, and un- it will make you uncomfortable. But I can't get over this performance. I'm going to go with The Piano Teacher. Um, I, I'm i just blown away by uh, Isabel Hubert. Like, she... If I was to make a list of like top performances of all time, this would be up there, if not number one. Like it's it's incredible what she's able to do in this movie. Um, yeah, it's it, kind of simply she's this kind of on the surface, this well put together pianist, p- piano teacher, uh, but on the inside she is beyond uh, <laughs> disturbed and. Uh, definitely fighting some inner demons and very much sexually de- uh, repressed, uh, which I love those type of movies. Um, I have a degree in psychology. If I could go back to school, I would be a sex therapist anyway. So it's like a big interest of mine. Uh, but yeah, just the way that this movie changes, like the power dynamics of the two leads is really interesting to me. Um and just the relationship between her and her mom is just so bizarre and uncomfortable. Um, it's, and it's just a very shocking movie. But it's just the... I love character study mo- movies, too. And that's very much this movie. It's very kind of slow. And it's just kind of focused on her for the most part. But it's just... It's an incredible performance. I have not seen this. Um Haneke is not a guy that I am like drawn to, uh, but I mean, you made it sound interesting. It sounds like it's a pretty good movie, so um, I'll have to check this out at some point. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll go to Payson. Have you seen this one? Yeah, uh, I have not. I only own one Michael uh, Haneke movie, and that is Funny Games, and I've been wanting to watch that one. The only issue is when you know what Funny Games is about and when you know what happens in it, it takes a lot of energy to be like, you know what? I think I'm going to watch this tonight. Spoiler, I'll, I'll, it's not funny. I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll get to his films eventually, but uh, he, he sounds like an extremely talented director, but I, it's something that I've always been like, I feel like I should prepare myself for that. Yeah. Uh, funny Games, another Haneke movie I have been avoiding like to play. Uh, Dylan, your thoughts? Have you seen Piano Teacher? Uh, no, I've seen two Michael Haneke films. Uh, Cachet is one of my favorite movies ever. And uh, I also really love uh, Funny Games. Uh, this is one I've been meaning to watch. But yeah, you do need to prepare yourself before you get into one of his films. Because he, he has a way of exploring like the dark the dark parts of like humanity and uh, people's minds that are so than I think a lot of better than I think a lot of other directors working today. So uh spence have you seen this i have not but i honestly i think i'd like it a lot so i support melissa's pick and scott 
I've also seen Cashier and Funny Games, but I haven't seen this one yet. Okay. Uh, Payson, you're on the clock. Pick number four. Okay. Uh, ooh. A lot of my picks have been chosen. But I still have my go-to third pick that I wanted to take. And I'm going to take that one. Uh, the first ever bl- uh, film I blindly bought on the Criterion Collection. Uh, it was mentioned earlier, and I got a little nervous that I wasn't going to be able to take it. Uh, I'm sure if uh, one Aaron J was on the show tonight, I could not have taken this one, but because he's but because he isn't, I am taking Brazil. Uh, Terry Gilliam, in my opinion, Terry Gilliam's best film uh, that he's ever directed. No, I think Brazil is one of the most interesting movies like ever made honestly like just the way how it takes the concept of 1984 and just completely does that in a comedic sense um the character of sam lowry um just being someone that wants to get out of this boring lifestyle and then as the movie just keeps on going on he's just so cursed by the fact that he just cannot um robert de niro like this is a this is a weird movie that people forget uh de niro has like a pretty major role in but uh yeah he's he's like the second lead character in it um the um uh all the makeup and prosthetic effects of all the characters trying to make themselves look like more attractive and only making themselves look more um disgusting i think is great of uh, the score of the dun 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 i can listen to all day um the production design oh my gosh the production design just everything just seeming so cluttered it's 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 one of the great uh, like it, when when I when when people are like, okay, I'm I'm really getting into movies. What's like the next step? I think Brazil is like usually one. I'm like, you should really check out Brazil. Uh, movie takes place on December 26th, so it's a fun movie to watch right after Christmas. Um, but no, no, uh, the movie takes place during Christmas, but it's so dark. I don't like to watch it during the Christmas season. Uh, so I just watch it usually right after Christmas. Uh, yeah, Brazil is incredible. Uh, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I mentioned this. I didn't realize it was a Criterion movie. I'm a bad host. Oh, oh you're, good. you're good. You're good. <laughs> but um, no, this is a um, yeah. I've really enjoyed this movie. It's I I am not Gilliam's hit or miss with me. I don't always love his stuff. Um, but I think this is just the perfect like outlet for him. Um, just the the just his work creating his own world. Um, I love the way it looks. I love like all the technology. It's it kind of looks futuristic, but also at the same time looks old kind of archaic um i just love that combination of like this otherworldliness that creates for it and um i just love the idea of bureaucracy being the villain like there's yeah. no there's no like over like arching like president or like overlord who's with nefarious plans to control these people it's just this face of bureaucracy uh that's kind of well-meaning but that you can't escape from and uh, I, I i that's why one of the things i really love about this movie um but no, I think it's a good pick. Um, very, very high value at number four. Uh, Dylan, have you seen Brazil? And if so, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I love Brazil. Uh, it's talk about a director who it's a real shame that they're a very bad person because I'm a big fan of Terry Gilliam and his films. But uh, yeah, uh, this this film is probably my favorite of his. Uh, although I also think that The Adventures of Baron Munchausen is very underrated. Uh but yeah, I love the the way that, it, like Kirk said, it depicts uh, 
bureaucracy, like dare I say Kafka-esque to make me sound pretentious, but and yeah, I love how it's basically all set up by just like the chain of events happens from just like a complete accident where like a fly, like I think flies into a typewriter if I'm remembering it correctly. Nope. And then the, basically that ruins a bunch of people's lives just that one little event because uh yeah but yeah it's a great movie i love it uh spencer you see this one i have i am not a fan i don't think it's bad i just don't really like it sort of bored good production design though scott yeah, I enjoy this one. Um, I, for some reason, when I watched it, there was like a section in the middle that kind of like lost me a little bit. But I think the first half of the movie and then, you know, the, the ending again, another sort of haunting ending in a way. Uh, really good. Um, and yeah, the song, I was going to comment on the song too, which really just like gets under your skin, um, you know, as the movie goes on. So good pick. Not really on my list. Though. And uh, Melissa, were you, did you have this one under consideration? Um, yeah, I considered it. Um, I I saw it for the first time last year because I had heard it's kind of a holiday movie, which I would say it is. Um, and then about a month later, I do a, a film club at work. Somebody chose it. So I, I watched it like twice within like a two month time frame. And I, it was great. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the production design is just incredible. And I, I, I think it's very clever. It's like a very clever film. And I think it's interesting that it's it's very like whimsical and like fun in a way, like and funny, but then it's it's also like so dark and depressing and it's just a mix of so many different things. And um yeah, I, I really love this movie. It's great. Great pick. All right. Peace <laughs> take Brazil to number four pick. Dylan, we're on to you. Yeah. Uh so I think for my next one I'm gonna go with, uh, I think, one of the only films I've seen from director Andre Tarkovsky, who I want to get more into, I'm going with a film called Stalker, which is uh, a great film that I think more people in this community need to talk about, uh, because it's uh, a really, it's another one of those ones where I feel like your interpretation can vary very much so from different, from person to person. Uh, It is a long movie, it's just under three hours. Uh, also the very interesting backstory with it. A lot of the people that worked on this, including Andre Tarkovsky got, came like, became like very ill because of this movie, because there was like very, I guess, bad, like negligence on the set. And they were very close to like asbestos and stuff and everyone got sick and died. So that's unfortunate. Uh, but it's, uh, very interesting. The, the movie itself, I think it's a sci-fi film where he takes, there's these three characters who are trying to. Uh, go out like beyond the uh, society's borders, which the government like basically doesn't allow them to go beyond. They sneak past and they have to go to this one area where they uh, can like basically have, there's this one room that like grants wishes basically. So that's where they're trying to get this one guy is his job is a stalker. His job title is stalker and he takes people to the room so they can make their wish there. And uh, the, I guess uh, consequences of what having that kind of power is like really the, that like is basically the conflict of the movie of like, should we have like, it's basically permitting people to like play God if they could just wish for whatever they want. And then this like very much almost like becomes like almost a religious parable with how I see it of like, 
uh, the three different characters have, have like very different views on that. And it's like very interesting. And just the journey that they go on is like really weird and unique. Like they have to traverse the landscape by like walking in very specific patterns. And there's the different rooms and stages that they get to are all very, very uh, interesting and well shot. Like it's a beautiful looking movie. And yeah, great use of color as well. Like it goes from like black and white, almost like brown basically to uh, like full color. And it's a uh, really well done and yeah, a great film. Um, this is one that uh, like, like persona, I've seen it once and I didn't fully comprehend it. Um, I think again, it's a great looking movie. I love that like barren landscape and just how like desolate it is and how like kind of just you know just hopeless it feels but at the same time it does have that like kind of fantasy like hopeful element to it like what it, you know what they're trying to pursue um so it's another one i want to watch tarkovsky somebody I, I really want to get to like I, this is the only movie i've seen and i do want to see more and i think like honestly just because of how dense this one was i'm it's kind of i don't want to say turned me off but it's one of those ones where again i have to like build myself up to get more into it but definitely someone i want to explore more um Spence, have you seen Stalker? No. Scott? I haven't seen any Tarkovsky, unfortunately. Melissa, have you seen this one? I have not. It's really high on my watch list. I've only seen Mirror, which truly some of the best visuals I've ever seen in film. So I definitely want to get into it more. And Payson? This is probably going to show off why this whole thing is my biggest issue. I bought that Blu-ray of Stalker back in 2017 <laughs> and I still have yet to watch it. All right. Uh, so stalker Dylan's number four pick Spence moving on to you. You are on the clock. I will expect? continue. I will continue the pattern and we'll see who can guess the pattern. Many people call this one of the best films ever made. One of the better films of the fifties at least. And uh, fun fact it is uh, my impatience friend, Caleb Boatman's favorite film of all time, 12 Angry Men. I mean, how do you top perfection? I think that, I will say, shout out to Kirk. He made me study Sidney Lumet when I first got in this community. And that was an incredible two weeks. And I think after that, I was like, you know, I should probably watch his best movie. And the fact that this is his best movie is wild, considering like what else he's done. This entire cast is fantastic. The fact that you can... I, I think it's difficult to find... Let me, rephrase, let me rephrase. I think that the SAG Ensemble Award is something very interesting to me. because I, I think it's wild to imagine there is a cast that can be consistently, across the board, great. This is maybe the greatest cast assembled for a film ever in terms of quality of performances. There is not a single miss. There isn't a single line reading that I question. Every single even glance, I fully buy and convince myself this is a real fucking person. That is amazing. I don't know how the hell someone does that. I think this is I think this is Lumet's first film as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's first, that's first impossible. Freak, how the fuck do you do that? <laughs> also, how the fuck does this go in the fourth round? What the hell are you guys doing? Uh, yeah. This is this is it. Yeah, this may be one of the steals of the draft. This is this is uh, again. It's twelve angry men. Um, one of the greatest cast. The thing that blows me away, like if you watch this cast, like other than Fonda, um, 
like these are mostly like TV actors. Like you watch Twilight Zone, you'll see a lot of these guys on there. Like these are like kind of just journeyman actors. And I think that's what Limit does. So you see that in a lot of his films where he just pulls in like he gets a couple stars, but he like surrounds them by guys you've never heard of and just gets the absolute best out of them. Um, but yeah, it's again, I've, I've talked about this enough where I'm, I'm not going to repeat myself. Um, I'll have everybody talk about starting with Scott. Go ahead and go around. I will be right back. Not the disrespect for Jack Warden and Martin Balsam calling them TV TV actors, but um, no, yeah, I mean it's an it's an unassailable pick. Yeah, I think we probably were all just like, oh well, it's obviously going to get picked by the next person. So like, but, and then it somehow ended up in the fourth round. Um, amazing movie, one of the most like accessible classic movies. Like I, I could show this to anyone, regardless of their attention span. I feel like, and they would be hooked about what's going on which is crazy because it's just people talking in a room for you know an hour and 40 minutes however long it is um but an amazing look at sort of the our justice system how it can work correctly which is not something that happens often but um we can dream and this movie is a nice dream yeah uh i think joseph hit the nail on the head with the comments there the reason why i didn't consider this movie is because it's been talked so much and i think that with the, yeah. the with the topic of criterion there's like so many different areas of like independent and art house films that i wanted to talk about that i don't think would have brought, get brought up in other contexts on this channel so uh but yeah this movie is i think if i were going like objectively this would be one of my picks because i think this is an amazing movie one of my favorites of all time really just like an, an amazing cast like everyone said and just how they how they show like at the beginning where they're, they're just like it's almost like they don't care like they're just like oh whatever i'll just agree with what everyone else agrees and they're not even thinking that this is a guy's like this is a guy's life that they're basically uh playing with here that they're just not even caring about like whether or not this guy goes goes to prison for something that he may not have even done and they're just not even considering it they just want to get out early is like crazy and how how uh Henry Fonda is able to like convince them to like actually, you know, have a discussion on it is like really, really cool to watch. All right. And I'm just going to say, Spence, thank you for mentioning that about studying Lamette. If I, if I had a nickel for every person in this community who told me you made me study something and it was great, I'd have like a couple quarters of my name. So I think more you people just should. just good, ca good categories to watch movies for. <laughs> like, Post twenty ten, Abby Quinn, musicals, for example, there's great. No flaws. <laughs> there's no bad movies. <laughs> All right, um, Scott, back to you. Close out the round for us. Pure flicks. Um, yeah, uh, for round four, I will uh, close it out. I'm going to take another film from Asia. Um, I'm going to go with one of my favorite movies, one of the best movies ever made, in my opinion. Uh, Edward Yang's Yi. Um, I know I have talked about this movie a lot. I believe I picked it just a couple of weeks ago when we did the best of the 2000s. I don't care because still not enough people have seen it. And so I want to keep, uh, you know, proclaiming the gospel of Yee Yee because it is one of the greatest movies ever, in my opinion. Um, it is a, a film about a family in, um, in China who and it's just about a season in their life basically um, that's kind of the plot in the movie yes there are dramatic things that happen but it's it's just more about um, reflecting on the nature of life and you know and family itself and um, the idea of 
if we could do things again, if we could do certain things in our lives over again, could we, should we, is it possible to do that? Should we, do we want to do that? What would that mean if we could? What does that mean for our lives as we live them? Um, it tells several different stories about the different members of these, this family. Each one of them is grouping. Um, each one of them, again, has sort of a new perspective on life. It's just one of the most wise and, you know, perceptive films about human nature that I've ever seen. And it has one of the most adorable and badass kids in any movie with Yang Yang. Um, it It's a three hour movie, but it just it literally flies by. Like, I know it sounds like it's about nothing, but it's about nothing and everything at the same time, which is some of my favorite movies. So, yee, it's on Criterion Channel. Watch it. Amazing film. Yeah, I think, speaking of trivia, I think I watched this for something. I think you watched it for my top 100, actually. Okay, yeah, either way, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that, that you, you had me watch this. And, yeah, again, almost three, three about three-hour movie and um, about, like, family drama. I'm usually going to check out. But this movie is amazing. Um, yeah, just everything about it, just it, you really captivated. You have like multi-generational uh, family and everybody's kind of going through all the things. They're all together. But at the same time, they're all going through it alone. They're kind of like trying to deal with those things. Um, I think all the characters are great. The stories are great. I think there's a lot of really like unique shots in this movie. Like really the camera's using a lot of really creative and like subtle ways. Um, so like visually... Um, it's very interesting, even though it's not necessarily a real action-packed movie. And yeah, Yang Yang might be one of the greatest characters ever put in film. I, you fall in love with that kid instantly, and you just make sure that only good things ever happen to him in his life. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good pick. Uh, nice pick up this late. Uh, we'll start with uh, Spence. Have you seen Yi? I have not. I do really want to, though. Dylan? I have not. Payson? It's one that I need to from all the love I've seen from every single person that is that I've heard talk about it. it the only thing that's key, that's like prohibiting me from doing it is like you gotta get a day where you have a three-hour chunk. But I am going to watch it eventually. And Melissa, yeah, uh, this movie is just—it's hard to add. To be honest, more the more than what you said, uh, but like it's just a very yeah, it's a very human movie. It's very genuine um it's bittersweet slice of life it's it's great and um edward uh is that his name edward yang mm -hmm. yes um his other movie too uh i think a bright summer day that's another great one it's also it, amazing yeah. it, it very much feels like a a soul like sequel or prequel i don't know which one came first but like they feel similar uh but different he unfortunately right. passed away in his 50s and makes you sad because he probably would have made one or two more great films yeah, but great pick. Okay. okay, that <laughs> takes us to the end of round number four. To recap, Melissa picked Piano Teacher, Payson picked Brazil, Dylan took Stalker, Spence picked up 12 Angry Men, and Scott chose Yee Yee. Uh, Scott, that brings us back to you for your final round. All right, it's the final round. I'm just going to let it ride with a pick that's not going to be the most popular pick, but it's one of my favorite movies. I'm going to pick Boyhood. Um, this is just, again, talking about coming of age movies, this movie changed the way that I thought, thought about life and my own coming of age, honestly, the way that it depicts, um, 
the the coming of age of this kid, Mason, um, not in sort of the big milestones or big moments or everything that you associate with growing up, but in these mundane interactions that don't seem like much when they're happening, but that ultimately by the end of the movie you realize have added up to actually create the person that, you know, we have been watching for two hours and 40 minutes. Um, it's such an interesting way to think about growing up. Um, and he's not the only one growing up, right? Because his parents are also changing so much over the course of the movie. And Patricia Arquette and Ethan Hawke are giving amazing performances. I mean, it has to be so difficult, right? Like you, you're filming 10, 12, 15 minutes, whatever of this movie per year. And then you go away and you go do all of your other projects or whatever. And then all of a sudden, you know, you come back and you have to like get in that right mindset again. But the characters never feel like inconsistent with each other, despite the way that the filming um, worked. Um, so that's an amazing credit to them. Obviously, amazing credit to Richard Linklater. Um, but it's a movie that sneaks up on you again. You're kind of just getting lost in the moments as they're happening. Um, and then, you know, when Mason's going off to college at the end it's like it kind of all hits you like a tidal wave and Patricia Arquette has that amazing sort of monologue there about, well, what does this mean? Like, you know, this is sort of what my, I think my life was building up to and what's, what's going to happen. The next thing that's going to happen for me is I'm going to die. Right. Like um, it's kind of showing the, the different way of thinking. Like if you, if you um, center your life around these milestones, but I think Linklater has a different perspective on it and um, you know, it's very interesting to see. So. I adore this movie and also the, the Criterion version is great because you get the commentary and obviously as you can imagine whether you like the film or not the, the commentary is very interesting to listen to about how they did this entire thing. It's got Linklater and it's got a lot of sort of the other crew members and, and supporting actors and stuff in the film so highly recommend it. Okay I know most people are pretty hot or cold on this movie. Um, I'm somewhere in the middle. Um... I feel like it's good. Um, the whole idea of filming it over, you know, however long they filmed it, 12 years, whatever, uh, is an interesting exercise. I don't know if other than actually, you know, the the fact that you get to watch the, the little person grow up, I don't know if it actually adds anything to the story. I don't know if this movie would be much different if you just casted different actors or however you want to do that with the, with the, you know, the aging of the characters, the time passage. Um, but it's good. I mean, I think it's a, it's a good coming of age story. Um, I feel like the younger actors are a little more interested at certain times than in others. Um, and that kind of shows. Um, but I think Ethan Hawke's great. I think he's really good in it. And um, so, yeah, again, it's, 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 um, um, I, I think it's good. I think it's, it's, it's a solid movie. I think it gets maybe overpraised because of the gimmick. Um, and I think it gets maybe a little too much credit for that, but I think everything you said about it, Scott's legit. Uh, Spence. Thoughts on Boyhood? Underrated. I think it's really good. I don't get the hatred for it. Uh, is Eller Coltrane like a little rough in the later years? Yeah. But he's still, like, it's still fucking great. Whole movie's fucking great. Look at her daughter, whatever her name is. She's way better than she should be. Like, I don't know. I also love Ethan Hawkins. He's just like smaller. Like, I know he's not like the one who won the Oscar, but I think he's really good. Dylan, Boyhood? Oddly enough, uh, this is one that I never caught up with watching, so I still haven't seen it. All right. Uh, Payson, where you stand on this one? 
yeah, I love Boyhood. Yeah, this is a movie uh, I got to talk with Scott uh, when he joined, when he was uh, my guest panelist on uh, Cinemasters Reviews, which you can watch every Monday live at 8 EST on the video store. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, Boyhood is an incredible uh, triumph in filmmaking. I've, I've always described it as like the smallest epic you'll ever watch because like the movie has like the length and like the scope of like an epic film. But it also like it's uh, it's just about this one kid's life in a way, and just seeing how everyone changes. I've always said I think watching in a way Ethan Hawke's character, I'll I'll say it honestly, grow up um, is just as compelling as watching Mason grow up because you see Ethan Hawke go from this guy who like you can kind of see why Patricia Arquette's character probably divorced him because he, he seems to be someone that like isn't ready to be there for like his kids like the whole time just as ready to be there for moments and then by the end he now has a second family he seems to be doing really really well um and he seems to have t like it, he, he seems to have grown up in in a, in a much more uh, mature way just like how mason has and yeah i i honestly kind of love how this movie ends like how it just sort of ends in a way of like it, it it barely has an ending, and I think that's purposeful into saying like, look, this is our our time of watching these characters is gone, um, and uh, they're gonna keep living, but we're just gonna stop watching. Them. So, yeah, uh, I I think I I think it's incredible what Linklater did. Uh, if you weren't a fan of the whole twelve years thing, well, uh, see you in twenty forty, because uh, you see what his next movie is. Uh, yeah. Well, I hope it's not his next movie. I hope there are other <laughs> movies in there. <laughs> Where'd you go, Bernadette? Too. <laughs> and uh, movies not. Melissa, what's your thoughts on Boyhood? Yeah, um, I only saw it the once, like when it first came out. So, like, it's been years since I've seen it, but I do remember enjoying it. Like, I remember thinking, "Oh, that was that was a good movie." I I don't remember thinking it was like, you know, uh maybe like the best movie I've ever seen. But again, I, I remember really enjoying it. So maybe at some point I'll rewatch it. I it, The commentary sounds very interesting. So maybe yeah. I'll take it up on Criterion. <laughs> All right. Uh, Spence, go ahead and hit, hit us with your final pick. Continuing the pattern. Uh, I'm going to go. I tipped the pick uh, earlier. Uh, Jacques Demy is a cool dude. He's like if Wes Anderson liked musicals and was a little bit less pretentious, which he's French, which is really difficult. Um, the Umbrellas of Cherbourg. So good. So I've realized my favorite kind of musicals are operas or operettas, which is basically for non-musical theater nerds out there, is none, maybe a little bit of talking. I believe it's an operetta. It might be an opera, but it's very close. And for some reason, I think that just elevates everything where the idea of like the language of musicals is to use music in a heightened sense of this is your emotions outpouring and every single part of you, the only way you can communicate is by singing, by having every part of yourself committed to like an art or even like in the idea, like in, in, in on stage, you can't talk over someone singing their emotions are that important. And this whole movie is just, and I think that's really just core to like our two leads. I think it's, I forget what the woman's name is. I know, I know the guy's name is Guy because that's fucking stupid. But the idea that they have to go through so much struggle and pain through love into nothing. 
like that hurts and that's really hard to sit with because i think a lot of us I think like i saw this at like a relatively young age and the idea going into adulthood that things don't work out like you can love someone so deeply and put all this time and care into them and it all just sort of goes away and maybe you'll see them again maybe you don't and that doesn't really matter because they're out of your life that is so hard to sit with and the the fucking pastels the way that Jacques Demy just films everything, like yes, the music, yes, musical numbers, but just the world seems heightened into realism almost. Like it feels like a memory that you want to be good, but it just hurts the more you look into it. Like it's it's perfection. One of the best musicals ever. Top forty musicals. Check that shit out. And uh, I have watched half of Young Girls of Roquefort. Also a good movie. Just didn't finish it. No, that's a good pick. Um, I, I I didn't think this was going to get picked, but it's it's solid. Um, yeah, for the you know the main thing obviously is the music, but what always strikes me about this movie is the visuals, the way it looks, uh, the way this movie uses color, like how there'll be a, a room that's a certain color, and someone walks into the room and they're wearing a different color, and then they walk in the same a different room, and it's the same color as the clothes that person is wearing, and it just, it's so, I, I there's got to be someone smarter than me can figure out what it all means. There's got to be some meaning to it, because it's, there's, there's such a distinct pattern to the way that works. It's all throughout the movie. Um, and that's one of the things I love about the most. But yeah, the music's great. The story's really good. I, just, I do like the story, how it's about just, like, the relationship kind of ending, and, you know, fading away and, fall, you know, falling apart. And the ending is, is really strong. Um, so yeah, uh, good pick, Spence. Uh, Scott, have you seen this one? No, I haven't. Sorry. Melissa? Oh, yeah. I watched this for the first time recently, and I'm obsessed. Uh, it's fantastic. And I'm falling in love with Catherine. D- uh, D- I can never say her last name. Thank you. Um, yeah, she's just fantastic. Um, yeah, the color palette. I, I thought I'd get annoyed with like the singing constantly, but I really didn't. I thought it was great. Um, and man, the ending, I, I was not expecting to ball my eyes out at like 8am watching this, but here I was, uh, I, I, I was very emotionally like impacted by this. I, I thought it was a very like mature ending, um, and like a very like stick the landing type of ending as well. I was not expecting that. Um, also he has a movie called Lola that has a connected universe with this movie, which was interesting to watch Lola and then this back to back. Um, also, he has a crazy ass movie called Donkey Skin that more people need to watch because it's insane. <laughs> I think a character from this also appears in Young Girls of Rogue Four, unless I'm mistaken. I, I don't know. I haven't seen that one yet, but uh, I it's on my list. <laughs> Basin, have you seen Umbrellas of Shaborg? I have. And Spence, I think it's really interesting that you think uh, the fact that uh, Jacques Denis uh, named the main character of this movie Guy, even though he is a guy, because uh, I believe when the movie was coming out uh, a few years ago, I believe Sean Levy said the reason why he called uh, Ryan Reynolds' character in Free Guy was because it was uh, a homage to the Umbrellas of Terraform, and that, which also explains a bunch of the shots in uh, Free Guy and some of the scenes of that film. What? Scott, do you find like Free Guy now that you know it's connected to the to Umbrellas of Terraform? <laughs> I haven't seen Umbrellas of Shareborg. So. What the fuck, Scott? <laughs> I just said this like two minutes ago. <laughs> Listen, everything I said in the past five seconds is a lie, except for the fact that I have seen Umbrellas of Shareborg. It's it's incredible. Uh, uh, a certain hack 
from uh, Philadelphia made me watch this movie uh, for a title match, and I really, really enjoyed it. Like most people, I think this movie is gorgeous. Like, the color palette is it is one of the most aesthetically pleasing films to look at. Uh, the actual love story of just these two people that do definitely love each other but just can't find the right time to get together, I think is incredible. Yeah, wonderful film. And uh, Dylan, you've seen this one. Yeah, I saw it earlier or this year for the first uh, time, and I was I kind of maybe went in with too high of expectations, almost like I went in like expecting like oh my god, this is gonna knock my socks off. This looks amazing, uh, and I thought it was really really good. Uh, I don't know why it didn't fully like click with me the way it has with some other people, but I do I do think it's a really solid movie, and yeah, just beautifully shot, and the the music's really good. All right, um, Dylan, that brings us back to you for your final pick. All right, time to go back to some weird shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I've been getting very into uh, samurai movies recently. I have one uh, pick left uh, for the action film of my films that I'm drafting here. And uh, one franchise I've been getting into is a franchise called Lone Wolf and Cub. The first one's really good. Uh, very solid film. Uh, this is also a franchise based on... Uh, a manga series, by the way, uh, and which is I want to get into because the, the movies are really good. But I'm not going with the first one. I'm going with the second one, Lone Wolf and Cub, Baby Cart at the River Sticks. <laughs> this movie is fucking wild, and I'm shout, give, basically picking it for my last pick because no, no one was going to even think about taking it. And uh, I wanted to shout this movie out because it's fucking insane. Uh, just the different ca- characters that they have in this movie, it's like very very uh comic booky and like strange like the weird the the way that they introduce the villains like by the way if if you don't know this franchise it is brutal as fuck like it's from the 70s and it's like imagine if like you took like the samurai films by akira kurosawa and made them like uh exploitation films basically full-on exploitation films like there is geysers blasting blood all over the place when they introduce the villains in this movie it is kind of terrifying because they basically ask this uh group of samurais basically give us your give us your uh best fighter your best your best man basically for uh to go up against us what they do to this guy is one of the most brutal like deaths in a movie ever like they fuck that dude up it is crazy uh just insane stuff like the main characters it's uh the the franchise follows uh, a samurai and his son they they travel together and they even fight together like he, he uh, t- basically takes his son in like this little cart which is all with a bunch of blades and stuff and his son gets involved in the fighting scenes where you would like tap on like the cart or whatever and a blade would come swinging out the side and cut a dude in half uh really crazy fun action like that and uh yeah there's also it's one of those movies where it just kind of reduces me into like a like a little kid just explaining like how badass it is and like different scenes that happen in the movie. There's one awesome scene in this movie where the villains capture the little kid. The kid's completely unfazed, even though they're holding him over a well, like basically to intimidate uh, the main the main uh, samurai dude uh, who I'm forgetting his name, uh, but uh, and. The kid's completely unfazed. What he does is he kicks off a sandal, and then there's silence, and he just the main uh, the main samurai listens and waits 
until he hears it hit the bottom of the well so he knows exactly how many seconds he has to kill everyone around him before catching the rope to save his son from uh, falling to his death. And it's so awesome. (laughs) It is so good. Um, yeah, I love this movie. I've only gotten into the first two movies of the franchise so far. I haven't seen... I'm sorry, Dylan. I didn't step on you. Are you done? No, I was done. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is... It's a, Yeah, everything's done. It's insane. Uh, if you like The Mandalorian, uh, thank these, this franchise uh, because it's very much... It's it's. You know, this is a movie about a warrior wandering around, wandering the world with a... Uh, uh, with... A, a little kid, you know, just in a cart, he's he's pushing around. It looks very much like, you know, Grogu and his little floating bull. Um, so I mean, it's it's very much borrowed from that. But yeah, it's so cool. It's it's super violent. The villains are great. Like it's very unique, fun villain. Also has like very much like a Kill Bill type of feel. So the, you know, influence there as well. Um, the samurai is just some guy. Like he doesn't look like a warrior. He just is like this very schlubby looking dude. And he's got this little kid. And the kid is awesome. Like he has like his his like Dylan said his carts all pimped out. So people would come and think they're gonna grab him. They get like you know secret swords come out and stab at him. Um, and like just the relationship between the two of them, like the kid's basically like a, a toddler. He's not that old, but like he has like this understanding of what they're doing and what, what's going on. And, you know, it's enough for them to like survive. And that's re- really all they're doing is, they, they, you know, they're being hunted by all these people. So, um, no, very fun movie. Uh, broadly violent. Very cool. Um, has anybody else seen this movie? Sounds awesome. So tired of this movie coming up on Wild. <laughs> I'm sold though. I want to see yeah. it. Yeah, definitely <laughs> check it out. Yeah. Uh, Pace, that takes us to you for your final pick. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm just going to be personal and I'm going to take my favorite film from the second best director with the last name of Anderson. Uh, Event Horizon kicks so much ass. <laughs> Uh, Sam Neill, Lawrence Fishburne, Blood... I'm kidding. That uh, Event Horizon is not in the Criterion Collection. Okay, uh, I'm that. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm taking my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Uh, I'm not sure how Kirk feels about Wes Anderson, but I'm picking the Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, I think this is probably still, for me, the, the most adult story... Like, the most real any characters in a Wes Anderson movie has ever felt personally to me. Um, it's not as like humorous as some of his other movies, like Fantastic Mr. Fox, or, or I should not be naming the picks of of, of uh, some of his other movies. It's the last but, round. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're fine. You're fine. My yeah. Okay. That's Fantastic Mr. Fox, the Hotel. But like, I just think the characters are just so well developed. Um, I love coming of age movies that are not about like teenagers, but are about like people that are older. And this is probably the oldest. The, the coming of age movie I've seen with the oldest character because I think this is a coming of age movie about Royal Tenenbaum and him finally growing up and realizing you know what I've been an awful father I've been an awful husband and I want to try and reconcile that before it is too late um, I think uh, Ben Stiller is so underrated as Chaz Tenenbaum you can see how um, all of his all of his life history is completely like destroyed the way he is parenting his kids and has become such a helicopter parent. Uh, Luke Wilson as Richie Tenenbaum, that's my favorite performance. It, it, Richie Tenenbaum is my favorite character in the movie. Just this depressed uh, tennis player that cannot 
admit his true feelings to himself because he knows he's going to be ostracized, even though he's in love with his adopted sister um, that he's known since um, they were kids. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, I think, is incredible as Margot Tenenbaum. It's probably my favorite Gwyneth Paltrow performance, and I just love their uh, relationship. Uh, Angelica Houston is great. I love her relationship with Danny Glover. Danny Glover's underrated. He's, like, the most, like, wholesome character in the movie. Um, phenomenal soundtrack. Like, I think everyone has, like, a different favorite needle drop in this movie. My favorite one is Needle in the Hay, where um, Richie learns about Margot's past and just goes into the bathroom. And if you've seen the movie, you know what happens. Um, yeah, it's, like, right before... He, he definitely has gotten the Wes Anderson um, aesthetic at this point in his career, but it's not gone to, like the the super wes anderson-ness of stuff like uh the grand budapest or like moonrise kingdom even though i love those movies i think that this is still probably my favorite like production design of any of those movies and yeah uh i just want to spot like like this is like one of the best like criterion like not only is the cover just incredible but like you get a bonus with this one if i can pull it out um you get a map of the entire house uh i, I can't pull it out super easily but, like, all of his movies usually come decked out with, like, extras and, and you have an entire di diorama of the Tenenbaum Mansion in this Blu-ray. So, yeah, I could not I could not recommend it enough, and it's one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, I like Wes Anderson, to answer your question. Um, I don't love – there's certain things, you know, some of them, I, you know, I like some a lot more than I, the others, but um, overall I'm a fan. Um, Rural Tenenbaums is probably my favorite. It uh, goes back and forth between this and Grand Budapest. Um, but I definitely think this is his most um, accessible movie probably because it's the most personal. Like I like the fact that it has like his, his quirkiness to it. Um, but it's grounded in more of a reality, especially, you know, as far as these, these people go, like real lives and, re you know, real things that are happening to them. Um, but, yeah, I think the entire cast is fantastic. I think it's just a really cool story. Um, Alec Baldwin in his uh, narration is fantastic, and I don't think people talk about that enough. And I think that was, like, just a one-off. Like, people were like uh, – or Wes Anderson was like, hey, just – do this for me for filler. We're not going to use it. Just record something. And he did it. And they put it in the movie. And it was great. So, um, no, fantastic movie. Fantastic last pick. Uh, Melissa, any chance of this being your fifth round pick? Um, it is not. Um, I actually have not seen this since it first came out. Um, and I, I've only seen it once. Uh, I remember really liking it, but I'm definitely due for a rewatch re at some point. So I don't have much to say because it's been a long time. <laughs> And and pace, I forgot to mention too. You'll get you since you pulled out the the, the disc. I got this. I picked this up for two dollars at the library. Yo. Yeah, yeah. Nice. That's a good dumb, dumb people get rid of their DVDs. They don't know what they have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Scott, uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoy every Wes Anderson movie, so I really enjoy this one. It's it's not one of my favorites. Um, you know. Gene Hackman is so incredible in this movie that it almost does overshadow some of the other performances to me. And there's just something about it that has never quite clicked as much as some of the other ones do, but like, it's really good. I do think it's really funny. Like the scene where he talks to, I guess his nephews at the, or his grandsons at like the, the, I don't even know where, the, where they're at tennis court or something um, is hilarious. Uh, the dialogue in that scene with Royal is hilarious. Spence, roll Tenemos. I really like this, and as a Wes Anderson fan, I feel like it's heresy to say this isn't like my, my lower half of movies for him. Not that I don't like it, 
it is still four stars. I just have two of these in my top 100, and then I also really fucking love Rushmore. So, and Vanessa Fox. So, it's tough. And uh, Dylan, you like this one? Yeah, I'm a big Wes Anderson guy. He's one of those directors that just really, really works for me. Uh, I was, I was gonna, I have this one on Criterion. I was, I kind of got tired of getting up and grabbing the Blu-rays, but uh, yeah, <laughs> gotta come prepared. Gotta come prepared, Dylan. <laughs> but yeah, I love this movie. Gene Hackman. It gives like, well, probably one of my favorite performances of all time. As everyone has said, he's amazing in it. Uh, yeah, I don't have much else to add. Great film. All right, uh, Melissa. That brings us to you and the final pick of the evening. All right. Um, seems like we all went with our heart this last round, and I will continue that trend. Uh, my last pick is going to be uh, Julia of the Spirits. Um, I I'm becoming such a big Fellini fan, and this is definitely my my personal favorite. Maybe objectively, it's not his best film, but I don't really freaking care. I love this movie. <laughs> um it it stars his real life wife uh which she's in a lot of his movies uh julietta messina um and basically she kind of suspects her husband is cheating on her and she kind of goes on this like spiritual journey uh with herself and there's definitely a lot of like dream like sequences again blending fantasy and reality type of stuff so of course this is my jam <laughs> Um, I definitely have come to find that he has some uh, themes in his movies. He definitely has like a lot of religious trauma stuff because I feel like there's always a little bit of a religious uh, angle to a lot of his his movies, and also like circus things, like or like clowns and street performer kind of stuff, and that's definitely in this movie as well. But uh, I think the set design is amazing. Costumes are incredible. A lot of amazing hats. If you like hats, <laughs> they're here. <laughs> but um, I, I just think it's a really beautiful film. And I, I think it's about like uh, love and self-acceptance, self-love and self-acceptance at the end of the day. And I, I find it to be a very like healing kind of message towards the end of the film. But it's very wacky and zany. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, Highly recommend if you have not seen it. Yeah, um, I got to see this one uh, last week, and I thought it was really good. Um, I've this is only the second Fellini I've seen, um, but I think he's somebody I want to explore some more because um, just a really fun movie, and I just love the fact that it is about like her, you know, discovery that her husband's cheating on her. But for that storyline, it's such uh, there's such like a sweetness to this movie. And like just a lightheartedness to it, which you w wouldn't expect from that kind of you know um, thematic content. And it's just kind of her like just wandering around, and she's making new friends and meeting people. And some of them are like good for her, some of them aren't. But she's kind of like just figuring out who she is. And um, she's I, I think she the actress is, is just so good. She's got that like really s sweet smile, and she's very quiet and just watches and observes and is learning all these things. And like sometimes there's ghosts and you know just different weird things going on. And um, yeah, I just loved the whole cast. Um, and I, I, I think that's something, you know, the, the way it's filmed is, is just, I think it's always, only Italians could pull that off of making it like just about like adultery, but also just like cute and fun. And, um, <laughs> the whole cast is just so, even though it is about like sex and sexuality and repression, all these different things, like there's an innocence to it. 
and the the whole cast is it's almost like a they're almost like childlike. They're just like a bunch of kids like one running around like figuring all this stuff out. So I really I really liked that about it. It was really like breezy watch just because of, of how much fun it was. Um so yeah, good final pick. Uh Scott, have you seen this one? No, I haven't seen any Fellini action. All right, Spence, you had a reaction. What are your thoughts? Oh no, I just I think there's there's a few movies that I knew that like, Melissa was gonna pick, and I have a massive list of shit that I wanted to watch for the show, and I played a shit ton of matches, but this was on there because I knew that she really loved it. I was like, I should support Melissa, and she has really good taste, so I'll probably like this. Uh, Dylan, you see this one? Uh, No, this is another one that was on my uh, Criterion channel, uh, or Criterion uh, challenge list for films Mm -hmm. I'm going to watch this year, basically based on Melissa's recommendation, because I remember I first heard about it when she talked about it on uh, Logdith, and I thought it sounded pretty interesting, so I'm looking forward to checking it out. All right, and uh, Payson, you see this one? I have not. Uh, I have unfortunately never seen a Fellini film. He's one of my blind spot directors, but it sounds super interesting. Okay. All right, well, that's going to close out the draft. Uh, let's recap round number five. Uh, Scott went with Boyhood. Spence took Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Dylan took Lone Wolf and Cub, Baby Cart at the River Sticks. Uh, Payson chose Royal Tenenbaums. And uh, Melissa closed out with Juliet of the Spirits. Now i got to uh, say who wins here. Um, first place is going to be Payson. Yo! Hard hard to beat. Um <laughs> He took your gym. It's it's checkers, guys. He, there's there's I one criteria. Movie. There's there's one criterion movie in the opening scene in, in the opening credits here. Uh, uh, but no, uh, I mean, strange love your Jimbo and Royal Tenenbaums are is, is a tough combo to beat. Nashville and Brazil are both strong. Uh, second place is Spence, um, Raging Bull, and Twelve Angry Men. Both very, very solid picks. Not a huge fan of Yutu Mama Tommy N, but uh, In the Mood for Love and Umbrellas of Chiborg, both really solid. Um, from there, it's tough. Uh, everybody else is kind of close. Three of you. Um, man, this is rough. Everybody's list is good. Nobody had a bad list. Um, I think I'm going to give Dylan the third one. Just because of playtime and Lone Wolf for Cub and Cub, um, Stalker, Eraserhead, both tough to digest, but very well made <laughs> movies. Wells the Seventh Seal. Um, I think um, fourth place I'll go with Melissa um, because uh, I watched Red Shoes and Julia the Spirits um, because I you know I figured she's going to pick those and those are I really enjoyed them. I'm glad I got to watch those. And um, House is a really good movie. I really like that pick. I didn't expect to see that. Um, Scott, um, last place, not shameful here. It's, it's still a very strong list. Um, I think do the right thing, Yee and Memories of Murder is last place somehow. <laughs> I mean, that's that tells you how, how strong this this draft yeah, was. You all did a really so. good job. Um, so I mean, I'm not going to tell you your list sucks because you, you did a good job. But I mean, just I think yeah, true. Um, it just it was was the, the the least strong of the five for me personally. It's still, some really good picks. So thank you everybody for watching. I hope you enjoyed this. It's always great to talk about movies like this and focus on um, some great classic and really strong movies. Um, like I said, uh, next week we're off. 
week after that is the soda tear list. I know everybody's chomping a bit for that. Talk to Cody or Coho if you're going to be on that one. And um, the build a movie is going to be in June. Uh, thank you, Payson, for being my Vanna White tonight and showing all the movies <laughs> off. Um, thank you, Scott. Thank you, Melissa, for um, making your uh, debut here. Great to have you. Spence, great to see you as always. And Dylan, of course. Um, always fun to see you so thank you everybody for watching we will see you next time have a great week you're not gonna intimidate me i'm entitled to my opinion drunk get angry come on break the lousy cup ow i hurt my arm not expect everybody to do everything. I'm going there soon, you know. Is that so? Where are you going? Uruguay. Well, you go Uruguay and I'll go mine.